And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Hope you're enjoying uh, your Sunday evening as we're getting ready to get there once again. Oh, we're on there once again. Covering Division Three basketball. If you've got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or you can use the hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on Instagram at D3Hoopsville, though we just kind of monitor the show, things there. We don't interact you can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville as well. Lots of ways to interact with us. Hope you'll take advantage of them. Please do not hesitate. i uh, love to hear from you whenever possible, if possible, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there you go. Hope, hope we hear from you. Um, you also email us, by the way, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Forgot about that. That's another way you can interact with us. Uh, lots to talk about in Division Three basketball as we run in towards the holidays. Lots of games not taking place for varying reasons. One, because they're not on the squ- schedule, or the other reasons, um, COVID-19, roaring back and driving us all a little bit crazy. Uh, lots of games uh, postponed so far on this, uh, on this weekend. We'll get a look at some of that in a minute. Um, if you wanted to see a game and you missed out, yeah, that's how they am. Those things are these days. We talked about it on Thursday. Lots of games are increasing, uh, increasingly being called off, and we will we'll see. We'll see where where it plays out. Um, it's kind of a wait and see kind of thing, and I'm not sure where the influx is going to end. I mentioned this on Twitter. Um, the timing seems to be related. I don't want to say it's because of Thanksgiving break, because if you go two weeks after Thanksgiving break, which is the usual kind of two week span, they always say about the virus, we're three weeks after that now, but games started to get postponed about two weeks after. So the timing could be there. And then obviously those who are infected, infecting others, that timing works out. So this could be because of Thanksgiving. So let's extrapolate that out. If that's the case, then we probably going to see something based on the holidays, right? So January is going to be prime season, as it were. I'm not sure how it's going to play out. We will certainly try and keep an eye on it um, and go from there. Lots of games obviously happening and we'll try and, or not happening, I should say, as a result of that. Teams are changing plans. Um, yeah, it's it, it's just a wait and see. It is an absolute wait and see. Um, so there you go. And I've, I've talked to administrators. Listen, a couple of things to remind everybody about. If you are an unvaccinated um, student athlete, you are being tested three times a week. If you are a vaccinated student athlete, you are being va- you are being tested when you're symptomatic. There are multiple reasons why we're getting such an increase in in positive tests. One of them, some campuses are not as serious with the vaccination scenarios. There is one campus that I was told has a vaccination number of 30% on their campus. And there's others 90 plus percent. That obviously is going to have an athletics team be in jeopardy. Um, It is going to be hard to 
it's going to be hard to keep an athletic team from being infected when your campus isn't very high in the vaccination level. On top of that, I think there's also many who've dropped their guard. Listen, I was at the soccer championships and Loris women's soccer was hurt pretty hard when three of their starters did not play in the semifinal against Christopher Newport in a game that Loris played pretty darn well. And most of those starters were out because of contact tracing, but a number of these individuals who are out for these other teams are because of positive tests. Um, and so how long does this go? Well, we're going through this, you know, we're going through this run and I, and there's probably no, we're probably going to see a lot of postponements, cancellations, whatever you want to call them at least until late January. Would I like to see it sooner than No, I don't want to see that clearly, but that's, that's just the crux of it right now. There's, Schools are trying to, to keep athletics moving. They've got these plans in place. But right now, it doesn't look like anything better than what we have is going to happen. We're going to get cancellations and postponements, period. That's just how it's going to be. Sorry, if my volume is increasing, it's because I'm playing with the audio levels. After hearing the show last time where I screwed up the audio, I realized our audio levels were a bit low. So I'm trying to just adjust them accordingly to, to make them better for you. <laughs> um, anyway, so again, we've gotten a number of games that have been called off. We've had a number of games that have been um, canceled or postponed. I can go through the scoreboard here in a second. Let's see here. I'm just going to go through the scoreboard from yesterday if I can. We'll get back to today's scoreboard in a moment. Um, I mean, today alone, we had four games on the men's side, one game on the women's side called off. Um, yesterday on the men's side, we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, looks like nine or 10 called off. And on the women's side, and remember, we're not even playing at a full deck of games on the women's side. We had five called off. That, that's not even a full deck of, of, of athletic games. We Basketball night, you could extrapolate out, that would have been 20 or 30 maybe more on the men's side that would have been called off. Uh, on the men's side, um, a lot of the games were against D1s as well. There was a bunch of, or non-D3s, I should say. Uh, but Averett continues to be, it seems to be a, an issue. Um, my alma mater, who we talked about on Thursday, Goucher men's basketball, they were supposed to be playing um, uh, Loyola on Tuesday. Loyola canceled that game so they could play Duke. The long, the short end of that ended up that Loyola canceled and couldn't play Duke, who ended up playing Elon because of COVID tests. Well, Goucher then had to cancel its Eastern Mennonite game. Um, Merchant Marine and SUNY Purchase didn't play. Um, Edgewood and Illinois Tech didn't play. Wisconsin Lutheran and Aurora didn't play. On the women's side, um, no no games of huge importance. But and there's other games that didn't get it played that may not we may not fully realize. Um, so we're going to have to be dealing with that for a little bit of time. And we're heading into the holidays, which means teams are heading home. 
if people are letting their guard down or aren't fully ready, when they come back, we might have teams that are going to have to call off games. And that's not talking about the schools that make blanket decisions with their athletics programs. And all of that is possible. And, again, it's it, we're just going to have to wait and see. Um, we've got the uh, D3Hoops.com Classic coming up uh, after a year gone. Uh, we didn't have one in 2020. We've got one starting on the 28th of December. Uh, more than uh, about three dozen, or no, not three dozen. That's not right. Dozen and a half teams are coming. And, you know, we're going to, we're, we're, Going to put more information out, I think, this coming week. And we're, we're looking forward to being there. Hopefully, we can be there. Um, let's talk about games that have been played this week in terms of top 25 implications. There's some good ones in the women's side. We'll talk on the men's side first. Um, one of the big games was today against was Illinois Wesleyan and uh, Wash U, number four Illinois Wesleyan versus number 15 Wash U. And, uh, well, that game didn't go, I think, how many Titans fans expected it. Wash U defeated Illinois Wesleyan 71-61. So Illinois Wesleyan now goes into that Yeshiva game uh, with another loss. And maybe both teams not playing all that well. A lot of people on Twitter, I didn't get a chance to watch it. I was trying to do some family things. Uh, I was hoping to go back and watch it later. A lot of, a lot of individuals talking about how that game, Wash U was the better team. Roanoke defeated Wartburg, by the way, 70-66, to handing Wartburg its second loss of the season. And Maryville survived against Hamden-Sydney with a buzzer beater. Um, I think it was buzzer beater, or at least a last-second shot. Maryville won 85-84 over Hamden-Sydney, who certainly seems to be playing a little bit better this year, which is nice to see. They're 7-2 on the season with wins over Greensboro, Averett, Southern Virginia, St. Mary's, Ferrum, and Eastern Mennonite, along with Mary Washington. And losses to Christopher Newport by five and, and Maryville by one. So maybe this Hampton-Sydney team under Caleb Kimbrough, which probably isn't that big a surprise since we know how good Caleb Kimbrough is, has turned out to be a coach. This Hampton-Sydney team seems to have kind of resurrected themselves. They, they might kind of help turn the the uh, ODAC on its head a, a little bit. Maybe return the rivalry with Randolph-Macon back a bit. Um, so that was good to see, certainly. Uh, uh, yesterday's uh, scores in the top 25, uh, we had Elmer's defeat Carroll by seven. Mayor uh, Wheaton defeated Olivet by nine. I've now seen, I had somebody reach out to me who's seen both Wheaton and Plantville. He says he thought Wheaton was the better of the two teams. Uh, Mary Harden Baylor needed overtime against Letourneau to win 91-86. Again, Marietta got past John Carroll in a game that only counts for the conference. Um, or counts, it's a, it's a non-contest game, 0-0, zero, zero. even though in our system it's in as 2-0. Uh, that technically goes down as a 0-0 zero, zero game, and it only affects the standings. Marietta, as a result, is not 7-2. and two. They are 6-2. and two. A little quirk with our system. We're going to have to te- check that out. Uh, Lacrosse got pa- past Crown easily. Anderson got uh, upset trying trying now with what three losses uh, probably will come out of the top 25 in my opinion actually i thought they were out of the top 25 to be honest with you you may not have updated our scoreboard i gotta double check yeah trying did come out of the top 25 we just didn't update our scoreboard ha love finding our own errors that way 
But the Trine did take another loss, and that's the, and they're now five and four on the season. Uh, and Maryville got past Ferrum yesterday, eighty four forty seven. In women's basketball, let's start with uh, yeah, that's yesterday. Of course, big game between Hope and Trine, and Hope won that one seventy to sixty one. John Carroll was upset by Marietta, eighty one eighty, in a thrilling game. And Baldwin Wallace got past Otterbein, sixty five fifty one. East Texas Baptist had no problems with Howard Payne. Texas Dallas uh, defeated Concordia, Texas, get back in the win column 60 to 48. So uh, those were yesterday's scores, Saturday's scores in in women's basketball. In today's scores, um, let's see here. We've got, well, Whitman and Claremont Mud Scripps are playing now. Quick check in on the stats there. And Whitman's got a 48 35 lead at the end of the third quarter. Uh, Whitewater easily handled Alfred, 91-50. Messiah and DePaul played. DePaul was without, hold on. DePaul was without Maya Shannon and only had 17 points in the first half. Ended up being being defeated by Messiah in a game no one was able to watch, 54-45. Warper got past Chapman, 70-60, and that was it for the top 25 scores uh, today in women's basketball. So we'll keep an eye on other things going on around Division Three and some other scores and, and whatnot, but kind of a quiet week, and that's on top of the fact that things are getting quieter due to COVID as well. Um, which will bring me up to my, my next point. Uh, unfortunately, last night I got a, an email and then a phone call from a Division Three coach who wanted to point out that Mike Freilich had suddenly died. Mike, as I had tweeted, and forgive me, I'm going to go call up my tweet because I, I don't want to. I don't want to misread what I wrote last night. I wrote sad news in the coaching fraternity. Mike Freilich of SUNY Oneonta, former Suniana, Lagrange, Eastern Connecticut, and current Hartwick assistant died unexpectedly Friday. As Oneonta coach Cameron Cover said, Freilich was D3 through and through, and was passionate about D3. Mike got married this summer, and he. And he and Megan made D3 hoops their life. Uh, many got to experience that passion over the last few years from Mike's social media and podcasts. Mike was the man behind that D3 guy. He was also well-loved by a number of coaches and players who also felt that passion. My thoughts are with Mike's family, coaching fraternity, those who recruited and coached, and all those whose lives he touched. also wish the very best to both SUNY Oneonta and Hartwick men's basketball programs uh, who experienced everything Mike poured into D3 hoops. We should point out, Mike left the Oneonta program for Hartwick at the beginning of the school year. That's why I wanted to point out SUNY Oneonta. We have decided tonight to make sure to honor Mike, and tonight's show is dedicated in his honor. We have heard from a number of coaches, and we've heard from a number of others who knew Mike well, and later tonight, we will bring you some of their thoughts as we go to break. Our thoughts with Mike Freilich and his family on his passing. May he rest in peace and his passion for D3 continue evermore.
College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying tonight's show. If you want to interact with us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Uh, you can also, D3Sports.com, apologize, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can also join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we are live simulcasting the show. And, uh, yep, already got my aunt in there interacting. Hello, Aunt BJ. Got to give her this shout-out. She's one of the best uh, on Facebook at, at watching the show. Um, we forgot to mention our, our guests tonight on tonight's show. Our apologies. Um, we do have a few. Uh, coming up here in a moment, we'll talk to 18th-ranked Texas-Dallas women's basketball coach Polly Thomason, who's also a board member of the WBCA. We'll talk to her about that. You might remember her as a former member of the uh, National Committee. We'll talk about her being um, thrown off the committee. That's the story I'm sticking with, and why not? I kid. She was not. Um, we'll also talk to her about uh, the, the loss to Mary Harden-Baylor this week, but then getting back on track with a win yesterday. Uh, also coming up, we'll talk to Gordon Mann about his take on the first two months of things in women's basketball. Then we'll talk to Yeshiva men's basketball graduate student Gabe Leifer. He'll join us to talk about things at Yeshiva and what's it like to be under that spotlight. Give us a little bit of a perspective on things, plus a life in the times of, as it were. And then Ryan Scott will join us to give his perspective on the first two months in uh, Division Three men's basketball. And then at the end of the show, we'll bring you a couple of words that we've received, not necessarily on Twitter. Uh, there's lots of comments on Twitter, Twitter, easy for me to say, about Mike Freilich, but we'll, uh, we got a few emails and we'll, we'll give you those words as well. All right, let's switch gears. Talking women's basketball. Polly Thomason's team is in the top 25. I'm sure she's thrilled about that, but if you talk to her, really, she's miffed about the loss that they took this week against Mary Harden Baylor. Can't, can't fault that thinking myself. I'm sure that stings as a coach. And joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is the aforementioned Polly Thomason. 
Coach, good to see you. Good to have you. Hi. Thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and talk women's basketball, uh, D3 women's basketball. So uh, thanks. Thanks well, thank for the you. opportunity. Yeah, no, I appreciate <laughs> it tremendously. Uh, getting used to being in Region 10, are you? Not even close. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, we've already, uh, played Whitman out, uh, out of Walla Walla and that was the first for us. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was, uh, it's an actual region game for you. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And then we're going to have a couple others coming up. So no, it's different. It is really different. I'm honestly really worried about how many regions we have and ranking teams and what that looks like for AQs or not AQs, but looks like for at large bids. So. Um, it's going to be an interesting year. We'll get to that in a minute. I, I'm not as worried <laughs> about it. But And by the way, I think your your game against uh, them would have been regional anyway under the, the, G- yeah. the uh, administrative regions. But it's nice to say you're actually in that region. Um, the only disadvantage is now you go up against them in, in regional rankings. Um, yeah. You are off to that start. You talked about the women. That was your first loss of the season, 71-60. Um, you played them, um, and then you played East Texas Baptist and got a win back against a tough team that obviously seemed to have a pretty good year last year. Uh, And again, the Mary Harden Baylor loss uh, happened two games ago. Overall, outside of what we see in in box scores and what we see on the schedule, how has the season gone from your perspective? For me, I've been really uh, happy with our performance. You know, you never want to lose and you're never happy losing. But we graduated two players, our all-time leading scorer last season, our all-time leading rebounder last season. Um, So for us to go toe-to-toe with Whitman, for us to upset East Texas Baptist, um, for us just to be playing the way we are with a young group, a very inexperienced group, uh, you know, they – it, it's exciting, honestly. Like, I don't even think we're close to being as good as we're capable of being. Um, I think we are still getting better every single day. We're trying to find our identity. Um, so it's been fun. It's been a challenge. You know, for four years, we've had consistency in every position. Uh, and now it's like we have all these puzzle pieces and my job is to figure out where they go. And, it, you know, it, it's nice to not have to do that. You know, obviously, you have an All-American for a few years. It's nice to play things around her. But yeah. I think this is fun. This is fun to be able to figure out, you know, what our team is and, and where we need to go with the ball and what kind of defense and our style's been a little bit different. So it's it's been a fun and, and challenging year. Your Your roster is ginormous. Um, I, I, you've used, I think all, but maybe one Jersey number. Oh, I'm sorry. You're not into the fifties. So you you have about (laughs) six or seven Jersey numbers you could use, but you, you've got a, a wealth of, of individuals on this team. Is that a, is that a reflection of just the co of COVID of maybe players taking some extra, an extra year if they can, and, and just recruiting on mass just because you don't know what your numbers are going to be or what? Uh, yes and no. I mean, honestly, I think large rosters is division three. I don't think that's unique to, to my university. Um, I think we have had uh, a couple transfers that we weren't counting on, uh, and that's due to COVID using grad grad years. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think we just, we find players that we really like and we recruit them and sometimes they'll play for four years. And sometimes, especially at my university, they're going to graduate at two. They may graduate at three. Um, so we just have to have a little bit bigger roster than I think other universities. I mean, I had a player a couple years ago who graduated in two years. Uh, so we just, and now she's a GA up in Michigan. So, you know, that's just what we, uh, we have high academic students. And so it's just, 
part of our process as as a coaching staff. Uh, listen, rosters are big in D3. I get that. But you have 23, technically 24 <laughs> on that thing listed online. That's a different, that's a different conversation. Uh, that's that you've got enough for literally four games to be happening simultaneously. Uh, well, we do or, have a couple injuries, so we're not suiting out 24, right. I think is what's there, um, but it's a great group. I mean, I will say that they are all invested. They're all bought in, you know, they, they are a great team. Uh, I love showing up every day and working with them. They make me laugh and you know, it's fun. It's a fun group. You're led by a sophomore in Paris Kaiser. At uh, 13 and a half points a game. And granted, we should point out, unlike maybe some other teams, she's more of a sophomore than maybe others have because she played, assumingly she played most of those 17 games last year. So yes. she's got that experience. But, you know, that's got to be nice to have. you got an underclassman kind of leading the way. Yeah, it really is. And I think that's really our whole team. Uh, we only have four seniors. Um, the rest are juniors and sophomores and freshmen that are helping us and contributing. So, you know, our goal is to really see how good we can be this year and lay a foundation for the next couple of years. Yeah, um, Kayla, you know, that final a, a freshman, yeah, ten and a half yeah, points that, a game. The final four is in Dallas in a, in uh, twenty twenty three. That's definitely circled for us. I was going to say, someone aiming? Is, are we <laughs> aiming there in that general direction? It, it's, it's, it's a possibility. possibility. I mean, we're definitely yeah. going to work for it. <laughs> this uh, ASC group um, is always tough. It feels like it might be tougher this year. I, I don't know. Oh maybe maybe I'm wrong. It's just kind of my read. You're tied right now with East Texas Baptist at 5-1 in conference play because, of course, the ASC, we've already gotten six games in conference play done. Um, granted, you've got the win over them in the tie break with Mary Harden Baylor on the other group. At five and zero, with Harden Simmons behind them at four and two. By the way, quick note: Laterno's right behind you at four and two. No one in your division has a below five hundred record in conference right now because Bellhaven and Ozarks are, Ozarks are three and three each. It's it feels like it might be more of a battle this year than ever before. I think it is one hundred percent. I mean, East Texas Baptist is so good; they should be top ten. Just so you know, if I was voting, they would okay. be top ten in my book. They're that good. Um, and then Mary Baylor, who we just played hard Simmons, who you didn't even, you know, we haven't talked a whole lot about. They're so good as well. Um, I think the challenge this year for the ASC is we're no longer in East West. Uh, we are combining to one big conference and we're playing everybody home and away. So, you know, it's not like it's just one game against Mary Baylor and then maybe we'll see them again in the conference tournament. We've got to play them twice, um, which means we may end up playing them three times. Same thing with East Texas Baptists and, you know, NCAA does what NCAA does and we have two in the NCAA tournament, there might be a fourth game between us. So oh. it's not an easy, it's yeah. not an easy league. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a, a cat fight all, all season long. It is a really tough conference. We're really strong players and really strong coaches. You already know so, how this works, Polly. <laughs> just, just circle that fourth game in now. I know. I've been there. I have been through it. Exactly. So we know it's coming. But, you know, we'll just focus on what's in front of us. But we do. I do know long term. That's in the back of my head. That's for sure. You guys will get um, five non-conference games. You've already used a couple of them in Austin and Whitman. You'll then get Calvin, Eau Claire, and Austin coming up um, right after Christmas, 29th, 30th, against Calvin and Eau Claire at your place, and then Austin at your place on January 3rd, how important are those games considering the conference in this full double round robin? Well, I think it's huge. Um, you know, we need to have some ranked wins, obviously, if we want to be considered in the region. Um, and 
hopefully ETBU will be one of them. I mean, then that might be, I mean, that's all we have right now. So we've got to pick up some more wins. We've got to pick up some non-conference wins. We know Eau Claire is so good. Um, they're ranked high right now. So we've got to be really prepared coming back from Christmas. Calvin in the, in the Michigan league, you know, playing hope and trying, uh, they're going to have a lot of common opponents with people that are going to be ranked. So there's no one that we are taking lightly and I don't schedule lightly anyway. So, you know, we challenge our players to, every game to, to be the best they can be and to see where we are uh, nationally, you know, cause that's, that's the kind of program we want. And that I want is someone that's going to be in the top 25, you know, hopefully uh, going to be in an, be in the NCAA tournament on a consistent basis. So we've got to play a hard schedule, but yeah, it's tough. I didn't do us any favors losing the players we did last year, uh, but that's just the challenges that we want. We want to see where we're at and how good we are or where we need to get better. I, I hate to ask, but knowing what, you know, we were talking about in the first block and, and what's coming and what we've been watching in terms of COVID with either games being called because of testing or because schools are, are clamping down on travel. Are you worried you might lose those two games or one of those two games? I wasn't until this weekend, honestly, yeah. when um, a lot of a lot of things have happened this weekend that's made me very nervous. I plan on reaching out to them uh, over the week and just kind of, you know, check in every day or every other day and see where we're at. But hopefully um, I think on my campus, things have gone really well. We've, we we're pretty safe. We've had low test numbers as far as coming back positive. So I feel confident about them traveling to us, um, but it's just going to be whatever their universities decide, obviously, but it is, you know, it is a big question mark. Uh, but with the way our conference is, if I lose those two games, I'm probably still going to have a lot of strong in region games and I'll definitely have a strong strength of schedule. So, at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is, but uh, I think our schedule is still going to be pretty good for us. I was going to say, would there be, would that set off alarm bells to try and, and fill in the gap as quickly as you can? Or is it one of those you shrug your shoulders and go, there's only so much I can do here? I think if my university let me fill the gaps, if they gave me that opportunity, we would do it in a heartbeat. Um, you know, I, I get emails. We're on a listserv, I guess, with every D3 coach in the country. That's always like, Hey, we're, we need games or we're losing games. And so I would just send it out and see what happened. And if they let us travel and fill fill in the gaps, then we, we would 100%. Very nice. Um, putting your former committee hat on former chair of the committee hat on, you didn't really get a chance to fully get involved with all that before you run ceremoniously kicked to the curve because your time was up and well, they already had somebody representing region 10, right? So you didn't get to enjoy it as much as you wanted to, but with your experience, obviously you've, you, you know how to schedule, but more importantly, you lose those games. How hard is it now become for committee members with games lost that were probably going to be those barometers of, common opponents and regionally ranked opponents and all of these other jazz. How hard is that going to be come, come February? I think, man, first of all, to already be at, to be at 10 regions, that's going to be hard enough. Um, you know, that's an increase. And then, yeah, to have that, that be a possibility. We know that's already happening in the East with, you know, NYU canceling their season at the, not canceling, but Shutting pausing their season. Long. And right. And they were top 10 team, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I'm glad I'm not on the committee, to be honest. That's that's hard. That's going to be a really hard discussion for them and, and for them to figure out. But I think they're in good hands with, with Megan and the the returning committee members that were part of the conversations last year. And, you know, Kelly Whitaker, I think, does a great job from the NCAA. So I think they'll do the best they can, but I would not want to be in their shoes because uh, I think it's going to be tough. 
And there's going to be a lot of teams that aren't going to be happy because hard decisions are going to be made based on just the schedules that are there. I know from a national committee perspective, obviously it's a little bit more work when you have 10 regions because instead of discussing eight regions, you're now discussing 10 in terms of making sure everybody's ranked out. Do you have other concerns or is it just that workload you're worried about? I think it's the workload, but you're also ranking, I think this year they're ranking 20% of uh, the teams in each region, which is a large number. That's a large number. Um, So I think you're going more than nine being ranked. And I think that that becomes, it's kind of muddies the water a little bit. I think, you know, you're talking about that many teams and that many regions. And now when you start comparing all the categories that you can compare uh, at the national level, you know, when you're talking about getting an at large, like, I, I just think it's going to be tough because there's going to be a lot of teams that have ranked wins that the strength of their ranked run, win isn't going to be the same as other regions. So yeah, I think it's going to make it a between a it's going to make it a really tough conversation. We're allowed to, between a certain percentage, and they're taking the max percentage for now. We'll see how much right. how long that lasts. It's kind of like I feel like it's a little bit like once ranked, always ranked. We all thought, oh, that'd be a great idea. Then we did it once. We're like, no, this was a lousy idea. Oh, we yeah. should never have done this. Um. We'll see yeah. how, how it plays out. You're also on the board of the WBCA, uh, Women's Basketball Coaches Association. Um, that certainly brings with it a lot, a lot of responsibilities. And you were you were busy as all get out for the last few years on top of your committee work too, and coach <laughs> and everything else. But how important has the WBCA work been, especially with COVID in the last two seasons, to try and keep everybody informed and keep things moving forward and all of that. Yeah. I think our WBCA or our organization has been tremendous as far as just providing resources for our coaches, um, whether it's financial resources, um, you know, what to do with COVID, what to do with your teams, like in the downtown, when you were all virtual doing those things, like I think our, our, our organization has just been awesome. Danielle and her staff are phenomenal as far as what they've been doing. Um, and, you know, now it's like we need to make sure we're helping them by maintaining our membership, by, you know, going to the convention uh, when it's, you know, this year and the next few years, because those are things that they need us. They need the coaches now to, to kind of help support the, the organization and make sure that it's something viable for the you know, for the future and our future generations of coaches. But, you know, I've always loved the WBCA. It's been something that when I was a student athlete, I was like, I want to be a part of that. I can't wait to be a part of it. Can't wait to, you know, hopefully I could be on the board and serve in that way. Um, So it's definitely a dream come true to have these opportunities and just doing everything we can to help coaches at every level, you know, from high school to pro, uh, it's just be resources for them. And, you know, the pandemic was, and it's, we're still going through it. It's such a uh, tragic experience, I think, and unique experience that you got to have these connections and you have to have these other coaches that you can lean on and get support from. And I think that's exactly what the WBCA has been for all of us um, over the last two years. What, what is the biggest thing that D3 in terms of coaches is now dealing with outside of COVID? I, obviously, that's still on the forefront, but what is it that the WBCA or the D3 portion of the WBCA is trying to at least keep in front of its members, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, That's a a great question. Um, And I think I had, Oh, so uh, last year, I think the NCAA started a, with the women's basketball, they started a 
a diversity in- initiative, uh, and they've just started it with D1 athletes. Uh, and it was like one athlete per conference in the, all of Division One. Uh, we just had a conference captains meeting last week, and that was brought to our attention that just D1 has done that. And so now we want uh, the NCAA to really start moving forward again to promote D2 and D3 and to have these opportunities for our, our student athletes because the, the D1 student athlete why they they may go through some of the similar things as a division three our division three athletes are very unique uh and they need their own committee as far as what their needs are in that realm so i'm hoping that that's going to be our next push um obviously the all-star game is something big and dear to my heart that uh, we hope that we can get it off the ground we had a three-year pilot program going and you know two of the years it's covid and we haven't had that opportunity so um i think that you know, the diversity issue, the diversity committee and all-star game. I think those are two of the big things that we're trying to push as far as D3 committee members and our board members. Um, because I think those are both very impactful for our student athletes. Something that was interesting, obviously in the D1 March Madness was the, the revelation that the women weren't getting the same perks. And I don't mean to be snarky, but yeah, duh. Uh, To some of us, obviously, who cover this, even from afar on the D1 level, we knew that. Um, But what I always have, you know, been confident in the fact that D3, we've always been, for the most part, pretty even. Whatever one gets, the Mm -hmm. other get, mainly because we don't get all the crazy bells and whistles that that obviously the D1 men get. But out of that, and I'm not saying because of that, but interestingly enough, one of the things that came up in Division Three was, listen, we need to have the the women get the same CBS sports experience that the yes. men get. That might have been the only exception to the rule, for for the lack of better description, in Division Three. And for those who don't understand how TV works, in occasions like this, someone's paying for it, and it's D3 who's paying for it. But it got approved okay. that... The women now will at least get their championship game on CBS Sports in some capacity. And, and I'm waiting to see the schedule to see how it works out. How big is that? Is, is that a significant step forward in for D3 women? Am, am I making more of it than it really is? No, I think it's it's huge because not everyone understands the quality of basketball being played at the Division Three level. Um, you know, and I think this is a great opportunity. It's going to be on CBS, right? It's going to be not something that you have to find on your computer or that you have to have a link to get to. Like, it's going to be on CBS. So the best teams in our division are going to be broadcast across the nation. And I think that that will be huge to, to you know, high school students, middle school students that can see that division three is a great place to play basketball. Um, that it's not, it doesn't have to be just D one or bust, you know, that there is great teams out there, great coaches out there. Um, so I think it's going to be phenomenal that our game gets to be broadcast in that manner. Um, and it just, it can only mean positive things moving forward for everybody. I think for everybody at our level and every university, uh, because we are all, we are that good. Division three is phenomenal. And as you said, the second chance at a combined championship, the last was in Indianapolis, where uh, Thomas Moore won the championship. It'll be 2024 um, in Dallas, shockingly, uh, in your 2023. Huh? Is it 2024? Is it 23? I I cannot get the... I, <laughs> I think it's 23. It is 23. Okay, thank you. No, I've gotten the number all botched in my head because I've totally lost track of everything. Uh, I, of course, I had to think about what year is it right now. Right. Oh, so we're a year and a half from it. Okay, so that's yes. closer than yeah. I thought it was. That's good because I thought it was that close. 
And when someone said 2024 to me once, I'm like, wow, that's further out than I thought it was. Uh, of course, the men missed out on Fortune in Atlanta, but that is what it is. How important is are those events? The one thing about the women's poly is that it's all in the same building. Yeah. For all three of them. I, I find that better in many ways than the men. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're going to the same location. You're, you're, I think that the coaches and the fans that are traveling, they don't have to worry about going to another site or another location. It's all in the same building. Uh, I was at Indianapolis and it was such a cool experience oh. um, just to have, you know, have those teams play on the same floor, same logos, um, have everything be the same as the D1 championships. And then for the D, for the D1 championship, you know, the teams were on the floor with the flag for the national anthem. It was just, it was really cool. So I'm excited that it's going to be in my town and uh, I'm bummed. I'm not on the committee for that, but I'm already putting, you know, I'm bugging hey. Kelly uh, to, Hey, put me to work. Cause uh, I was going to say, you never know, might get you back into the committee. Just saying, <laughs> um, yeah, no. if this was the men's in Dallas, I wouldn't be a fan of it because they're going to go play the D one over at Jerry's world. Okay. I was going <laughs> to come up with some snarky name for it. Um, only cause you're a Cowboys fan. Um, they're going to go play there. And that means the men's game's got to be at some other facility. That's nowhere close. At least Atlanta, the two facilities are across the street from each other. It's a little bit more reasonable. The women's, the fact that it can all be in one place, it doesn't matter where we go. It, it works yeah. in Indianapolis. You're right. It was outstanding. It was a great experience. Yeah. Even the D two game was fun to watch. The D three game was obviously great to watch, especially when it's Tufts and Thomas Moore going toe for toe. Right, uh, yeah. And, and what was a great game. Um, and then, I mean, then it was UConn versus, I just forgot who it was. Um, I sat behind UConn's bench. The whole experience, though, was just tremendous. Yeah. And and I think that's where the women do it right. Yeah, and I'm excited because, you know, this is not a, a D3, a large D3 footprint in Texas. You no. know, we don't have that. We have a lot of D3 teams, but not a lot of people know about Division Three. Right. So I'm excited for us to kind of use this as, a marketing tool for division three basketball. Um, so people can really, like I said earlier, like you can see the level that we play at. So it'll be great for, I think our region. Well, the first time the men uh, did this, a ASC team got to the championship game. I don't know. Maybe, maybe being an ASC country, we can get one there too. Okay. Skak I'd, might want to disagree it. with me, but who knows? Hey, Polly, I appreciate the time. I don't want to keep you too long, but thanks so much for, for joining us. Um, as you know, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Uh, keep uh, all the ASC's teams ranked high because they're really good. Oh, that I've never <laughs> We had might one. drop out because of our loss, but uh, oh. we're all pretty good down here. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. I hear you. I hear you. I don't vote in it, so I'll, I, I can say whatever I want. Yeah, to all the voters, and just let y'all know. There it's good go. basketball down here in Texas. Got one of those voters coming up on the show. We'll see what he says about it. <laughs> all right. Polly, thanks for the time. Have a happy holiday. Stay safe. Hopefully you get to go to games against Calvin and Eau Claire. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you down the road because I know we'll get you back on many a time in the future. I would love it. I always love enjoying talking to you. So thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Thanks, Polly. Take care of yourself. She's Polly Thomason, head coach of Texas Dallas. The comments again. Uh, I just forgot the record, but you know, Polly doesn't want me to remember the record. Uh, six and two on the season. That's who they are. They, again, they're off for the holidays. They get back on the 29th against Calvin and Eau Claire on the 30th, then home again on the third against Austin. Real quick score update aforementioned Whitman. Uh, they defeated uh, CMS 64 50. That game just ended. 
out there on the West Coast. We'll take another break. When we come back, Gordon Mann joins us, gives his take on Division Three women's basketball in the opening couple of weeks or months of the season. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios, and thanks to our partners at Blue Frame Technology and the WBCA. More after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To to stop stop sexual sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we're scrolling on on our only Sunday sh- or our last Sunday show of the uh, of December, and maybe the last one of the regular season, it reminds me. In a moment here, I'm going to put up a question on our Facebook watch page. I meant to do it earlier. If I can figure out how to do it, it won't let you do it otherwise. I got to do it. There it is. I'll create a poll. We are trying to gauge if you think we should move the Sunday show to Monday. We've already gotten a bunch of answers on Twitter, and we're and we're. Uh, Still got that one open a few more days on Twitter. We'll do it on this live stream on or the simulcast on Facebook. It's the only way we can put a poll up on Facebook anymore. So we'll put that up, get your answers by the end of the show, see what you say. Uh, maybe we can keep it going for anybody watching the archive just to see if maybe this is our last Sunday show for the foreseeable shoot future and move to a Mondays. We'll, we'll figure that out as we move along. All right, staying with the women's basketball theme, uh, the one person that certainly understands women's basketball better than most would be our colleague Gordon Mann at d3hoops.com. And he joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Sir, good to see you as always. Hope you are well. Good to see you too. Um, 
interesting thing I've noticed in women's basketball, and, and I've tried to keep my finger on the pulse as much as I can, is the good are still good, but there's a lot of teams with, with I don't want to say question marks, but you just can't put a finger on whether they are going to be in that battle or not. Yeah, there's a lot of teams that are, uh, some of them are kind of traditionally good teams that have shown flashes. Um, you've got a school like Illinois Wesleyan who graduated probably the top player in the country last year in Kendall Sosa and got off to a, like something like an 0-4 start and then beat Wheaton pretty soundly and then lost to Chicago yesterday. So, you know, you have, you have programs like that. You have programs that have a lot of talent, but not necessarily a lot of depth. So Bethany Lutheran, really good starting five, uh, beat Eau Claire at Eau Claire, beat Oshkosh, um, lost the two games after each of those, and then just lost to Stout and River Falls. So, um, you know, Marietta looked bad against Baldwin Wallace, looked good against John Carroll. So, um, you know, it's it, there is some of that. Um, I, there's really only – I think there's really only one program that is looks – you know, clearly elite. And then you have a lot of very good ones. Um, some of them are not tested. You, you kind of got to put all the NESCAC teams to the side because I haven't, uh, you know, they mo for the most part, haven't played very many, very many games, period, any against each other and not very many against very tough opponents yet. Um, but yeah, it looks like it's uh, this, this is starting to have the feeling like one of those years where Thomas Moore was really, really good and kind of crushed everybody on their in the first semester played a conference schedule where they weren't going to be challenged. And, and, you know, you kind of put a pin it and say, okay, this team's probably in the national championship. We'll know in three months, whether anyone is able to contend with them or not. Yeah. And this, this, this season is starting to feel like that. Speaking of which, and it just dawned on me the other day, and I keep forgetting to bring it up. The still defending champs in division three, they are yeah. Thomas Moore, <laughs> right. which is just weird to think about because now they've applied to Division Two. Yeah, which begs all kinds of questions on whether the NAIA thing was maybe just a way to get out of trouble in the. Well, NCAA. they were, and they were nearly the NAIA champs. They could have been the D three defending D three and NAIA champs at the same time. They lasted the NAIA title game uh, last year. Yep, uh, just crazy because uh, we haven't been able to crown a champ since they won back to backs. Uh, you you mentioned the one who who obviously is really good, so I'll I'll beg the question: uh, Is anyone going to beat Hope? Nobody in the regular season, uh, <laughs> and there really was only one, two teams on their schedule that looked like they might have a shot. Baldwin Wallace was top twenty-five. Uh, Trine is um, it matches up with Hope so well; they just don't quite have the depth. Uh, it was a, I watched a game most of it yesterday. Um, you know. Hope is really good, really long, really active defensively. They're really tough to score on. They remind me of some of those Amherst teams from a few years ago, which would, um, you know, could shut you out for 10, you know, 10, 15 minutes at a time. That's how good Hope is defensively. If someone's going to beat them, Hope is going to have to have a really off night shooting. And they basically did yesterday. They shot 49% from the foul line. They were not good at all from the foul line. Um, but trying to not hit enough threes to win. And, and the big difference, I think, for Hope, they've got Voskel, who's excellent. They've got Schoonveld, who's excellent. They've got, uh, you know, a couple of other starters in, in um, uh, Majerus, uh, who's really good. But their second unit it would probably be ranked in the top 10 in the country. Um, and their second unit 
plays almost as much as their first unit, even yesterday. If you look at the minutes played, it's like 20, 20, 20, 20, all the way down the line, even through the second team. So in a game like Trine yesterday, Trine plays, you know, Trine got decent production from its bench, but has to ride on its starters most of the way. They were down their starting point guard yesterday. But near the end of the game, um, Trine has a player go up to try and take a, a jumper from the foul line and Vosco blocks it. And it's because Vosco has been playing 20 minutes and that other person had been playing 30 or 25. And then later in the game, really the nail in the coffin is, is Schoonveld gets free off an offensive rebound and lays it up and scores uncontested. Whereas that play 20 minutes earlier in the first quarter, the Trine player is able to box her out. But because she's now played 15 more minutes or whatever it is than Schoonveld has, <laughs> Schoonveld's got the fresh legs. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know that anybody, nobody's going to be able to, to field a top 10 like, like Hope does one through 10. You're going to need a night where they shoot poorly and another team catches fire from three because their hopes really too good to score against inside. You're gonna you're gonna be able to get threes on the outside around the perimeter, but if you don't make them um, at a decent clip, I I don't I don't know who can play with hope. I was gonna say what is, I mean it was scary enough when they all said they were coming back, but what's scary yeah. is how well they've been able to despite that core group have the depth and talent getting better at the same time without yeah. getting the playing time necessarily over those starters. And I think that's, that's right. what is scary about them. Not only scary because they're deep, but scary that once those four do depart, they're, they're just loaded. Still there, there's yeah, no reload. Hope, there's no rebuild. No, I hope has always had a really large roster. Like they're right. one of the few schools that has, a full JV roster plays a lot of games. You know, if you look at the full roster with everybody on it, there's something like 25, 25 people on that roster. And, you know, it's, it's like some of the better division three football programs where they, with that amount of depth, they get a lot of junior varsity games. They get a lot of experience before they come up. But again, their second team, um, Veenstra, who I imagine is the sister of, of Jeremy Veenstra who played, years ago I don't think it's his daughter I don't think he would be old enough to have a daughter that age maybe it is uh Meg Morehouse who's Brian Morehouse's uh daughter uh Claire Bagley their 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 second team is really good uh you know top 10 that might be I I know I said that a second ago that might be an exaggeration but top 25 is not they're there and I, I just think in a I don't know I don't know who can play with them and Nobody in the regular season. I mean, I don't see Trine going there and beating them at DeVos, um, you know, and then they're they're going to that. So that MIAA title game is also at DeVos. You know, a couple of years ago when Hope nearly lost in the tournament that never ended, it was they came out flat. Illinois Wesleyan played really, really well, uh, hit a bunch of threes and nearly had him beat. But Hope came back at the end. And that's. I think we will probably see one or two tournament games like that where someone pushes them, you know, to the, to the, to the limit. But in boy, just in terms of talent and roster comp, uh, composition, I don't, I don't know who could play with them. That's just a scary venture for anybody. I, I mean, I was impressed trying got within nine, nine points. Yeah. By yeah. The end of that and game. it was closer than that. It was a two or three possession game, but it so, never felt like hope was going to lose that game. Right. And, They've won 55 in a row, so maybe that's just, uh, you know, muscle memory now settled, setting in. But uh, uh, they felt like they were in control the whole game. Uh, obviously, Yeshiva is is flirting with the idea of breaking the, the 
Potsdam record of 60 straight in men's basketball. Do you think this Hope team can get to the 81 by WashU? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I think, you know, if, if I had to pick right now, I could see, I could certainly see them running the table and winning the tournament. Again, they could lose to somebody in the final sure. four of the Sweet 16. But if they do, they only need three more wins next year. Um, oh, wow. And they don't usually schedule super aggressive non-conference. I mean, they schedule well. They don't right. play terrible teams, but they're going to play like the best team in the NACC and the best team in the UMAC and the second best team in the OAC. I mean, just look at their regular season record. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. The only team that's been able to beat them in the regular season. And it was three years ago was trying. (laughs) So it's um, I could see, I could definitely see them getting to 81 or 82. The interesting thing would be, and it's a question that would probably only be of interest to, you know, a small number of people. How would you look at that in comparison to Wash U's? Well, Wash U won 81 with a bunch of national titles. I was going to say, that's the quirk. Hope, Hope would win 81 with one national title, although you feel like if they would have had a chance, they would have had probably not three because the, the, the women who are on that team this year would not have played. They would True. have got a fifth or sixth year. Um, but, yeah, and it's sort of the same question on the Yeshiva side. If they get all the way through and break the record, yeah. do you view it? as lesser than what Potsdam State did when they won national titles. Fair. No, you, and you, you sort know, of have to. I mean, yeah. I mean, the fact that Hope didn't have those elimination games to face, and I'm not trying to yeah. belittle or knock it down. It's just it's that's no. a, a real different beast. Um yeah. all right, so if Hope's won and they're Hope and then they're number one until obviously some, someone beats them, yeah. who's number two? Because uh, I'll be honest, Whitman feels like a, an unsteady number two. Yeah, I just I just was watching Whitman play uh, Claremont Mud Scripts, and I know Whitman has a nine point win over over Texas Dallas, which is a quality win. Whitman has two really good forwards, Kaylee McCracken and Corinne Baker. Uh, their guards are pretty good; they play aggressive, but they're small, they're short. Yeah. Um, and you know, Whitman has that issue where, with the exception of the game against Texas Dallas and Austin, who's kind of in a rebuilding stage. Everybody else is on their own island, right? Some of them are NAIA programs who we have no, con- no context for. Right? They'll play Santa Cruz tomorrow, which will be interesting. Santa Cruz is seven and one, but also playing teams in that in that Western island because they, you know, uh, in their case, they don't really have a choice. Um, I think Whitman's good. I, I, you know, I've I've watched a, a bunch of teams to say, okay, who's number two? It could be trying. I know trying lost to Baldwin Wallace, but it could be trying if you want to say that who has a chance to play hope the best. Uh, I have Eau Claire number two right now. I know Eau Claire lost to Bethany Lutheran, but they have the best wins short of of hope by beating Simpson, who I have in my top 10, and trying, who I have yeah. in my top 10. So they're the only team with two wins over top 10 teams on, on my ballot. Um, you know, Christopher Newport is a really interesting team. They're very, very fast. Uh, if you like margins of victory, uh, they're going to beat teams by 50 points on average. Yeah. Um, I think it they would be a really – yeah, I think they'd be a really fun matchup with with Hope because oh. um, I think Hope could handle their pressure, but if they could ever get them to run with them, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think those are Simpson picked up a, a, a loss early this year to to, uh, to Eau Claire, but they could be number two. Whitewater could be number two. I think I think that's really interesting. And I mean, we haven't even touched on the NESCAC teams because again. Right. Because of the roster turnover from two years yeah. and the limited games, I don't really know what to make of Amherst, Tufts, or Bowden. I mean, I, I have um, I have Amherst, I think, 10th 
um, because it, which is lower than I would normally have my top NESCAC team. Because I just I don't know what to make of sure. it until no, I you agree see with you. them play really each other. Uh, it's hard to know what to make. Well, of it. it looks like Bates might even be in the mix now. I, that's true. I have Bates. I have I have four NESCAC teams on my on my ballot right now. I think that's one of two conferences where I have three or four. I have the I have three ASC teams too. Um, I know it's early, um, but obviously it'll pick up in January. Best. What do you think are the best conference races right now? So I. I think, well, you, you talk to Polly and I think she's got probably the best one right now. You've got a bunch a that beast. Yeah. You've got a bunch like the NESCAC and UAA who haven't started and won't for a while, but for the one and you know, others, like I think the landmark conference race could be very good, but they, most of the teams have only played one game so far. So right. Hard to say. Um, uh, the ASC race is really good. You've got Harden Simmons and Mary Harden Baylor on one side, and then you've got East Texas Baptist, um, you've got Letourneau, who's pretty good. Uh, you've got Bellhaven, who's even beaten some teams. You've got um, you've got a you have a you, that's a really good matchup. There are not a lot of teams left in that conference. There are a couple um, who are you know good for a, a forty point beatdown every night. And the style of teams in that conference, they play so it's defense predominantly. The scores tend to be a little lower. Um, so you know, unlike a couple of years ago where Mary Hart Baylor just had phenomenal athletes and could score 90 points a game. Those games are all going to be in the fifties and sixties. So yeah. those teams are good. Those games are all going to be close. So that's, that's a really good race. I think the CCIW race could be really good. I, I thought coming into the year, it would be really Milliken Wheaton and then everybody else. Um, but neither of those teams has really asserted themselves. Milliken had a rough uh, non-conference schedule. Wheaton has looked great some nights and awful others. Um, so, you know, I think Illinois Wesleyan could be a factor in there. I think North Park, if they get healthy, could be a factor in there. Um, Carthage has beaten somebody already. They could be a factor in there. I, I think you, I think the top four or five teams in that conference, um, will be fairly compact. I, I, I think those are two really good conference races. Yeah, um, and then the last one, and, and, you know, cause it's one that I really only focus on this time of year for like a three week window is the Skyac. Where those teams are all, they, they all almost look like you know they look look almost carbon copies of each other. Sure. Fairmont usually has a little more size than the others, but they all play really really hard, yeah. really fast, and they're just really short. <laughs> it's yeah, just, they it's, are. That's their problem. Is I was looking at the top scores in that conference, and um, uh, I think it's it's uh, a, a, a woman named Teeny White from Whittier, and I think Maria Howell from um, from Laverne, and combined. They stand about ten foot tall, <laughs> five Jeez. one and five three. I mean, they're just they're, no, and, it's and true. You, and you, and that's just how they they watch. But as a result, um, the talent is 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 pretty evenly distributed across the top four or five teams. True. They're all pulling from the same market. Yeah, no, it's um, true. Yeah, and it's a it's a if you it's a really good race in terms of of uh, a lot of late finishes, close finishes, hard hard basketball and. This is the time of year when you think about the Sky Act because in this three-week window, they will play Wartburg, Amherst, Whitman, Tufts, all those teams who will, you know, head west for warm, former weather or at the D3 Hoops Classic, you'll, you'll pick a couple of them up there. Um, that's a good race. You got to stay up until 10 o'clock at night to watch any of the games, uh, but that'll be a good race. Hey, the new Mac race, I think, might be fun to watch this year, too. I think so too. Yeah, Springfield and Smith. I really look forward to their their two games against each other. 
um, you know, just feels, off to just feels deeper. I don't know. It does. MIT and, M- and WPI are both usually pretty good. Um, Coast Guard's been okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that does that does feel like a a deeper and Babson should be good. I mean, Babson has won that conference most most years, right? Uh, and has two really good sophomores on it, so they should be. Um, I think I had I had Babson in the top twenty five to start the year. I I, I was pretty high on them. Um, and I, you're right. I think that will be. I think that will be a really good race too. Once it once it gets started, it's once one it's, of those yeah. that starts after yeah. after January. And again, it's a it's a little quirky that. Some of them play twice, some of them don't. Yeah, because of the size of the conference, right? You could have right. – I haven't looked, but it's possible that Smith and Springfield will only play each other once for whatever reason. I think Smith and Springfield that. will play each other twice, but I think um, Coast Guard and them will only play once against most yeah. of them. And, yeah, it's yeah. it's a little bit different. Not not your traditional – even your not even your traditional ODAC-type schedule. It's, no. <laughs> it's completely different. Hey, uh, appreciate the time as always. Uh, I know you're My busy pleasure. around these holidays. I'm hopefully looking forward to seeing you in Vegas. Uh, before yeah. I let you go, though, I am curious, what are you looking forward to as we cross into the new year, as long as games are, are getting played at a, at a reasonable <laughs> clip? What are you looking forward to on the women's side, other than you know the obvious can hope stay undefeated? You know, I, 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 I think it will be fun to see, um, you know, the NESCAC season is always interesting with the three teams, but it'll be interesting to see, I think, if Bates can uh, can play with them. Um, you know, I, I, I think the UAA conference uh, should yeah. be good. I, NYU is highly ranked uh, or is ranked. I think they're the only team receiving votes, but I don't it's been a long time since the Violets have been head and shoulders above the rest of the conference. Very long, really hard conference to win on the road. And, you know, not to be grim or negative, but how many of those games get played? I I don't even know. I'm with you. No, I'm totally with you on that. Um, I had that exact question for a few people in the last week. Like, well, we asked Pat Yuckum on Thursday, you know, is he concerned about it? Um, Well, hey, I appreciate it as always. Uh, we'll we'll always leave the guests with the final word. Any final thoughts for those tuned in? I uh, I hope everyone has a happy holidays and whatever your choice is at this point, whether you're staying home or you're traveling to see your family, I hope you have a, a safe and enjoyable holiday. Well said, sir. Take care of yourself. Hopefully I see you in Vegas. Yep. If not, have a great holiday. All right, sir? Hope so. Take, Take care. care. Gordon Mann joining us on the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. Um, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we talk to Gabe Leifer from Yeshiva Men's Basketball. Gives us a great in-depth conversation, a little longer conversation than we anticipated. It was worth every minute of it. It was it was fun to chat with him. We have that coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. More after this. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play. Free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It's on us. It's on all of us and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop 
sexual assault. More schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we continue on on this Sunday evening. If you've got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can always email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can always join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. We, we put a post on the online. I've seen some votes. I have no idea where it is, but it's being voted on. So we'll let you know. The question is, toying with moving the schedule from Sundays to uh, to uh, Thursdays, and we want to know what other people think about it. So, uh, you know, choose if you want us to continue on our Sunday nights or, or doing on Monday nights. So uh, got that rolling along. Switching gears, talking men's basketball. We've talked quite a bit at Yeshiva in the last few weeks, obviously since the season began, being the number one team in the country. they got a big game coming up against Illinois Wesley, who now has – Two losses on the season may or may not be top five by the time. Well, no, they'll stay number four because we won't vote until January 3rd. So they'll stay number four for that top 25 coming up um, or that that battle with uh, between you, uh, Illinois Wesleyan and Yeshiva coming up on the 29th of Jan of uh, December. Sorry. But instead of talking to Elliot um, Steinmetz, we decided to uh, maybe talk to somebody different. We don't get the chance all that often to talk to the players, something we've actually wanted to change this year, talk to more of them if we at all can. And so we decided to, to make that effort today um, and just give it a, give it a kind of a, a different take on things, as it were. And just get a different perspective and understand things from a different perspective. Decided to talk to Gabe Leifer, who's a two-time All-American, of course, selected uh, also, for his academic success as an all-team All-America member for COSIDA, he's been an All-Skyland member. He's been a most outstanding player for the Skyland Conference. He's a recipient of the Jewish Sports Heritage Association's Jay Fiedler Outstanding Jewish College Athlete of the Year Award, also the award for the most words in it. Uh, he got that back in April. Um, he is seventh on the all-time scoring list at Yeshiva with nearly 1,500 points. Second in terms of rebounding with nearly 11 or more than 1,100. 
uh, and also has a career-high uh, program record with 567 assists. Oh, by the way, right? Multi-time academic All-American. You get the idea. Pretty cool guy. We had a lengthy conversation with him because it turned out just to be that good a conversation. I, I absolutely enjoyed the heck out of chatting with him. Um, and now that I look down, I see our system apparently does not remember we had an interview with him. We've, where is it? Oh, there it is. So we talked to Gabe earlier today. We did not talk, we are not able to talk to him live. So we decided to talk to him earlier today. And here's our conversation with him. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is Gabe Leifer, the uh, senior graduate, however you want to call him, of Yeshiva, one of the captains of the Maccabees. And uh, Gabe, thanks for taking the time to to join us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Love the show and uh, glad to be a part of it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, We're we're certainly uh, glad you could be part of it as well because, listen, we've gotten the insights from Elliot over the years on on this Yeshiva team, and, and we know he's been making the rounds as it were, with the media. We figured we'd save him for a later date. We'd rather get more insight from the players. And and who better to get than from yourself? First and foremost, let's just talk about the team and and the season you guys are having. I know you guys had high expectations coming in. Are you living up to those expectations at this point? Um, Right now, honestly, I don't think we are at where we want to be right now. Um, We have a lot of expectations. It's hard to manage those expectations. And we also have a few guys in the lineup that are key guys. And although we played a few games last year and we're appreciative of the school to give us that opportunity that many other schools didn't have, we're still, we still don't have that chemistry that we had a few years ago when we were in the Sweet 16 and that got canceled when we were going to play Randolph-Macon. Um, but we keep saying that we don't want to be at our peak in December. This isn't the time of the year where you want to be at your best. Obviously, we want to keep getting better every day, every practice, every film session. But we want to just know that we're winning games now, but we can be so much better and hopefully hit our peak when it comes around February, March. But uh, so far, the season's going great. We haven't lost. We wish that we've taken care of business maybe a little early on, earlier on in the game and stuff. But it's hard to to just keep winning and just stay mentally focused. And that's a challenge that we continue to have. But that's also something that we're not going to take the opportunity and our record and the win streak for granted. And we know that we have to be better and we're going to keep trying to be better. Yeah. It's an interesting balancing act. You talk about the fact that you want to be better. You want to be playing better, but you also want to peak at the right time while you're also balancing an historical mark here uh, of a 50 game um, winning streak. Is there a yin and a yang there? I mean, is it, is it okay to lose the winning streak as long as you guys are playing well in March or is there also the pressure that you've got to be playing well now to play well in March? Yeah, so there's definitely that pressure where we know that we have to be playing well now before before February, March. We don't want to just click then. But we also want to know that we have some we, we like to know that we have so much more room to grow. Um, we also have two big games coming up. Every game's a big game, but especially Illinois Wesleyan and Williams, those are gonna be two really tough tests. And we have to be at our best because after watching them and seeing them, they're playing great basketball. They're playing team basketball, they're big, they're strong. Uh, they're mentally focused and those are two great teams and we know that we have to be our best to be competing in those games but uh, I would say that when it comes to the winning streak uh, we like to focus it at one game at a time and a lot of people sometimes say oh wouldn't you want to lose now but we also talk about in the locker room like if we don't lose now why can't we just win six more games in March if we make it to the tournament like a loss 
a loss can be good if you use it for the right way, but if we just keep winning, it's only, it would only be six more games. It'd obviously be very tough games, but we'd like to, it's not like we're playing for the win streak, but we also don't want to lose. We're not okay with losing. We want to just keep winning one game at a time. And if it builds to a record setting uh, win streak, then we'll be more than happy to be a part of that. Sure. Uh, I can't imagine anybody who wouldn't. Um, <laughs> when you look at this also, I, you guys are smart enough, and I know you've been around the block enough. Is there also pressure to understand that these out-of-conference games maybe mean more to you guys as a program than they do to an Illinois Wesleyan or others who can absorb a loss or two due to the fact that their conference is going to kind of help their resume, as it were? And honestly, the skyline isn't going to help as much as you would want it to. Is there added pressure with that? Is there a talk of that, or are you guys – just kind of brush it aside. So we understand that these games in terms of NCAA March Madness criteria, um, making the tournament, if we didn't win the conference, we understand the meaning of these games, but we also um, understand that w why not try to win? Like, yes, we're going to try to win these games, but we also still got to win the conference. We don't want to put our season and um, everything that we've been building over the past few years at chance because we didn't win our conference. We want to win every game. Our, right now, our main goal is to beat Illinois Wesleyan. That's our next game. That's what we're focused on. Um, we want to, we're want we focused on the conference. We're focused on the tournament, but we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We want to just focus on one game at a time. And we haven't even started talking about Williams yet. We know that they're there. We know that they're right after that turnaround. But Illinois Wesleyan is the next game. We're focused on practice um, tomorrow and this whole week. We have a week to get better, a uh, week and a half to get better, I believe. And we're just going to continue to do that. And we understand that our strength of schedule, I'm not exactly so familiar with how the whole process and criteria works for the NCAA tournament, but I know that SOS is a big part of it. And we understand that our conference may not help us as opposed to other conferences like the Midwest conferences, but we also um, – uh, we also know that we just got to take care of business every time that we step on the floor, focus on that possession and not what's tomorrow or what's next. Just focus on that possession and win that possession. Give me a little sense of Illinois Wesleyan, who you got, as you said, coming up first before then taking on the East of Williams. What do you see in them that you guys, that you guys take note of, I guess is the best way to say, and I, I certainly don't want you to give away the secrets <laughs> or, or, or necessarily let us know how you're going to attack them because uh, Obviously, we wouldn't want to be unfair like that, but I am kind of curious your take on what you see in them having watched film so far. So they are a mentally tough team. They're extremely well coached. They're prestigious programs. I mean, Illinois Wesleyan, how many times have they been in the talk for uh, winning a national title? And how many times have you heard Williams and Duncan Robinson and players like that that have <laughs> gone there? Um, uh, these are two top programs in Division Three basketball that have consistently and historically been great. We know that they're mentally tough. We know that they're going to be more physical than teams that we've played so far. And the only thing that we can do and control, and they're also bigger than some teams, and they've got five players that can play, and it's not just five players. It's their bench. They, they've got a ton of size, ton of shooting, ton of athleticism, and we just know that we this is a year where we have the same depth as other teams. We have the same shooting as other teams, and we've got the same size as other teams. And in yeshiva you usually don't have the same size so this is a unique opportunity and we just think that we just have to match their match their mentally their mental uh component of the game and just be as tough as them and not just be as tough we want to be tougher but we know that they're tough and they're going to be physical and we just got to stick as a team and play team basketball and if we we believe that if we do that then we can compete with anyone in the country 
tell me a little bit about your team. What is your strengths? And, and if, if you know them, what do you think the weaknesses are for the squad? Our strengths um, are that we have, I think, 15 guys on the team, 16 guys on the team. And I would say that although, like, yes, people have crazy stats, breaking crazy records, I think no one really cares about it. Um, obviously, it's nice to be recognized, but we'd rather – I know that everyone would rather score eight points or six points and win by 30 than be the guy who's scoring 50 points and lose by three, even though it's a close game and you could say, like, oh, he needed some help. I think everyone would, would be happy to sacrifice everything that they are – their personal accolades in order for the team accolades. And I think that's a big strength of our team. And also I think that sometimes we have so much talent and it can be a little bit of a weakness where it's just normal for guys also to sometimes want, like they feel like they're not so involved in the game and just like managing everyone's personality, managing all, sometimes when you have too much skill, it's not so easy to mesh and just to figure out the ways that everyone works. But I say that because of that's our, it could be our biggest weakness and it could be our biggest strength because if we if we compile everything together and we really look at each other as a team and we have open conversations all the time between our team about what we see and how we think we can be better and uh, that trickles down the whole way and everyone's unselfish and I think that that's why that makes us who we are and we've been able to win the and be on this winning streak. Tell me the difference between this team now and the one that was you know on the doorstep, literally getting off the bus to play Randolph Macon in twenty twenty. What what's the difference between you guys then and now? So it's a great question. Everyone always says, "Is this the best team you've been playing with, or is two three years ago the best team you've been playing with?" And I always say that they're so different, but they are both so good. And I'm happy that I could be a part of them and the players and the personnel. Um, I'd say that a few years ago, we had, I would say, less skill guys. And because not everyone was also so developed to the player that they are today, we'd have less skill guys and more guys that were focused on one job, which is why, like, we were very consistent throughout the year. And, I and like, everyone knew, like, their role. And I think that's what we're trying to figure out now. We Like, everyone knows their role, but for us to all mesh, and we it's just a lot of skill to – just combine and make sure that everyone's happy, everyone fits the right way, and uh, make sure to get the other guy the ball, not create for yourself. Um, I think that the other team was just more of like guys did like a little one, one or two things, and now it's more like everyone can do those one or two things. We just have to figure out when that person is going to do that one or two things. Every night it's different. Some nights if they're going to go like – boxing one on Ryan it may not be his night if they're going to be double teaming him and he's fine with that and he knows that if they're if they're double teaming me I'm going to get the other guy the ball and that's why I think makes especially Ryan the player that he is because and he's scoring all these points even with these defenses but it's just because he's letting us get him the ball he's not going to work for himself to get the shot he's working for other people and we have a philosophy that if you screen you're open um so we continue to play that way and uh, I think that's why that's what makes it special. Give me a little bit of a sense of the roller coaster you guys have had. There's games where you'll outscore Brooklyn, for example, 94-48, and then Washington College gives you a game, and it's a nine-point victory. Then you play Medgar Evers, and it's not in question. It's nearly a 50-point win. And then New Jersey City certainly gives you a run. Now, granted, opponents are different, and yeah. that's an element there. But, you know, New Jersey City, you guys had them by a good amount. They kind of chipped back at it and made it a game late. Tell me the, the sense of that roller coaster and also what it's like to think you have the game 
kind of in hand and, and all of a sudden realized like you've got a battle on your hands. Yeah. So I'm um, uh, first of all, I just like to say Washington college is my, in my opinion, they're better than their record. They played some good division one teams. They've got shooters. You catch them on a good night. You don't want, you want to, you don't want to let them hang around because they can give you a game at the end of the day. Um, NJCU is also a tough team. You know, they're athletic, they're strong. Um, they made a lot of shots in the second half, which weren't falling in the first half. Um, obviously, we put ourselves in a worse position than we wanted to be um, in the second half, and we didn't play our game at all. Um, we understand we didn't play our game at all. We talked about it, and we understand that against other teams, and even against any team, we can't play basketball like that. We got to play team basketball, um, uh, not hero basketball. And we, we just got to get stops. And we, we talk about this every single time in practice is that um, a, lot of, a lot of times, like when the shot goes up, people think that how you get a fast break is by just leaking down the court. You got to end the possession. And if you, if you get the rebound and no one's leaking, you're still going to get fast break opportunities. Um, so we definitely emphasize, uh, we emphasize um, that position of just ending a possession, making sure that we have the ball and then running down the court. Um, but those are two good teams. And listen, we would have liked to have been up more, but also against NJCU, um, I said in the half in the locker room during the halftime, I said to the freshman and sophomore, I'm like, you guys haven't had a season last year and not so many close games this year. We've been up 20, 30 in halves before and teams come back, especially on a road game against a road team. The crowd can get behind. All they need is a quick 6-0, 8-2 start in the run in the second half. And then they think that they have life. And then all of a sudden we start looking at each other because it was so easy in the first half that all of a sudden we're like, wait, what do we do now? So I think that that's something that we have to work on is to just be together and just like take a deep breath and, be, and recognize that we're still up and we can't start pointing fingers. We can't start going away from what we go when we go from. Take the punch, absorb the punch and let's punch back. That's the mentality that we need to have. And that's what we try to work on. Tell me a little bit about Elliot's offense. Uh, many have described it as a, a motion offense to the nth degree. Got to be really cerebral uh, and understand what you do. I compare it a little bit to maybe the triangle offense that the, the Chicago Bulls had made so famous that you have to know what you're doing maybe three steps in advance. What's it like to be playing in that system? And, and do you find it still challenging now in your, what, fourth or fifth year playing? Um. I find it more challenging just because of the different personnel, honestly. Um, like I was, I was used to playing with Donnie Katz, Simka Halp, or Barloof, like, and I was used to playing with them, and now I have to get used to a whole new personnel. But I love the team that I'm playing with, and it's fun. It's great. They make my life easy. I know that if I get the ball at the high post and I just swing it to the wing, they're going to make that shot. I know that OPEC Reef's going to be cutting back door. Um, they make the game really easy for me. Um, I love it. My shots have gone down this year, but I'm more than happy because in total, um, I believe that when I when I touch the ball, we get more we get more baskets, and I'm happy to sacrifice whatever I need to do in order to fit into the system. I also like to call it when people say and they ask me, what's Elliot a coach like? I say he's kind of like Steve Kerr because he just implements the offense and it's not robotic. Um, it's to make a read and set a screen and to get the other guy open. And also Steve Kerr, like he has the talent. We've seen him coach with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant. And he kind of knows, he just manages that talent. And I think that's something that makes Elliot so great is that he manages our talent. And also he, we talk about us giving up our ego. He gives up his ego even more because he doesn't overcoach us. He understands that he needs to let us play and 
listen, he'll call timeouts and be like, Hey, what the heck are you guys running right now? Um, we can't, we can't do this. Well, I don't know. This isn't our offense. This isn't what we do. Why we go away from it. Why we get bored of getting easy, easy buckets, every single play. You know, we just had three, three times where we just hit the post guy and we got, a, and we got a basket. But why aren't we going there anymore? So he's like kind of that guy that just like calms us all down and points out the easy stuff. He doesn't, and it's not over coaching. I think that's what makes him so great is that he just points out the easy and the simple stuff when other people may like get caught up in the moment, he just keeps us under control. He controls our emotions and he lets us play our game. Speaking of Elliot, I'm kind of curious back when you were looking to go to college, first off was Yeshiva on your radar. And second of all, what was the recruiting pitch from Elliot? So I had other offers. Um, and I always know, I, I love this Twitter banter about why D3 and I love D3. Um, uh, I think it's a great place. I think there are so many amazing athletes, um, uh, so many people that could be playing at such a higher level. And I played against people at higher levels. And I'm like, listen, you wouldn't even be playing at in Division Three. So I just like love the competitiveness of D3. I love the D3 community. It's amazing. It makes it fun. It makes it like close knit. Like I feel like you know people personally as opposed to like such like a lar larger picture. So I love Division Three. And uh, Elliot just kind of made the pitch to me about. Uh, Listen, at YU, you can be observant. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to worry about playing on Shabbos. And also, why would you – he's like, you're a great player. He's like, I think you could play Division One, But let's be honest, like, it would probably be a year or two, and then, like, you'd have to work into the system, and then it would probably be that they may get a freshman who all of a sudden is their next big priority because they have so many recruits that just come in. So would you rather be there, or would you rather try to build something special at Yeshiva and – I'm sure everyone who follows Division Three knows our fan base, and it is fun to it is fun to do what we're doing with those fans behind us and the fans that come to the games. I'll I'll be walking in a community, um, uh, in Long Island where I grew up, and everyone is knows about us. They talk about us. They say, "I want you to know how great role models you are," and I think that just what makes my experience in Division Three and especially at Yeshiva so special is that you feel like. Some schools you could feel like, oh, you're just there to play basketball four years. It's fun. You love it. Maybe you want to win a few championships. But Yeshiva, you feel like really a part of a greater community. And it, and I love it. Um, I'm so happy with my decision. And I am uh, I can't wait to see what we do this year. It's a good recruiting pitch for somebody else. You might be thinking about it right <laughs> now. Uh, I'm kind of curious also what led you to decide to come back. I think it seems obvious on, on the on the on the you know base level. Sure, he wanted to come back. Of course he wants to come back. He, he wants to play with Ryan. He wants to win a championship. But in your life, it's a lot more complicated. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But I am curious, what kind of drove you to make that, that decision to come back for this year? What drove me to make the decision, and like you said, it's simple. Obviously, there's a lot of logistics that went behind it to making it work. But uh, it's just an opportunity. Um, we have a chance to be – the best team to play in Yeshiva University history. We have the bet. This is the best chance that right now they've had in their history. And uh, just the players around, they make it enjoyable to play with. Um, I love, I love my team. I love the coaching, the coaching staff. Uh, it's just enjoyable. And the opportunity that we have with the personnel that we have uh, kind of made it a no brainer. Obviously the logistical things had to work out, but it was just such a great opportunity that in, 20, 30 years, if I look back at it and I was like, oh, I'm so happy that like I took that year off. I don't think I'd ever say that. Even if, let's say, 
I think we'll accomplish what our goals are. But even if we didn't, it's just the opportunity and the relationships and the lifelong friends that you build and all those memories and stories. It's just, to me, it was a no-brainer. Um, some of those logistics, you're married, which at Yeshiva, from what I've gathered, kind of like BYU, not that surprising for, for <laughs> students to be married late in their time there. But you're also doing other things, and, and you have to kind of balance not only the religious side of it all, but obviously the personal side. Give us a little glimpse of, of a day in the life, I guess, with, with Gabe. It's tough. When I, when I tell people, sometimes they get tired just listening. <laughs> um, uh, I'll walk you through a day. A sure. regular standard day with everything that a busy day. It's not every day like this, but this is probably I'd say fifty percent of the days. Uh, we'll have practice at six thirty, which because I'm living in not on campus, I have to wake up at five thirty in order to get there. So, and usually we'll have a game the night before. So if I'm only getting home at that time, that means I'm not going to sleep too early, and I'm waking up at five thirty. So I wake up at five thirty, go to practice. Um, after practice, uh, I'll, I'll go and pray. Um, the morning, I'll go to the morning prayers. And then after I got to run home, take a quick shower and uh, get to the office uh, where I'm currently working, um, which is in Midtown. So I have to take the subway back to the Upper West Side and then back to Midtown. I'm in the office um, on a good day from nine till nine to six. Mm. Um, sometimes it's much later. And uh, that's just what I got to do. That's what I'm up to in life now. I, I need to be equally as committed to work as I am to basketball and everything else going on. So I'll be in work till six. I'll uh, go home. I'll have dinner. I'll relax for a little bit. But then I'm also in a real estate master's, uh, which is asynchronous. So it does make it a little more manageable because it's just getting the work done by certain dates. So I'll get my work done. Um, uh, probably take an hour or two, not per week, but like per night. And then uh, I still got to study for my CPA, which is uh, a lot of fun. So it's a long day. It's exhausting. Some days where I get to games, I'm just like, oh, my God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Um, I got to muster up that energy and figure out how I'm going to do it. But uh, I'd say that although I have so much going on, it sounds a lot harder than it is. It is really hard but because everyone is so flexible like at work and Elliot and my family and my friends and my teammates everyone kind of understands why I'm back the opportunity that we have and all the commitments that I have so it's easy because everyone's a little flexible in that way um and if everyone wasn't flexible I have no idea how I would do it so I'm just grateful that everyone's so flexible and understands this goal that we're trying to accomplish and uh, although it's exhausting, uh, I'm extremely happy to well, be a again, part of it. again, you're married yeah. on top of all that. So you, you yeah. have the balance of a, of a wife and, and life of family and, and whatever that entails, whether it's the in-laws or your, your family, whatever. There's all that on top of it, um, which certainly was the decision easy. Was it really difficult? Was it somewhere in between? So it was an easy decision to come back, but it was a difficult decision at the same time because it was easy to, who wouldn't want to be in the position that I'm in to win a national championship, be on a team that's on a 50-game winning streak, playing with the players and the coaches that I'm with. But at the same time, it's not the easiest decision when you're done with undergrad and to have to balance all this. And listen, I'm, basketball is not going to be my future career playing basketball. I have to work on my 
my business and I have to succeed in that and start to build my resume and portfolio when it comes to business. So it was difficult in the sense that maybe I was debating, was it, is this the time where I'm supposed to move on? Is this the time where, oh, maybe I have one more year, try to balance it a little. So I went back and forth, spoke to a lot of different people in my close knit circle, coaches, players, family, everything. And uh, I'm back. So that obviously explains where my decision went and what the result was, but it was easy in the sense that I just wanted to be here, but it was also difficult in the sense as, am I supposed to be here? It's interesting. You talk about getting to a game and I don't know how I'm going to do this. First off, you've had seven career triple doubles. One of them that jumped out at us this season was against Washington college where you were three for six from the floor for 10 points, but you had 13 rebounds and 16 assists on top of that three blocks and four steals. That is an insane and, stat line forget the points it's the fact you had 16 assists and then also by the way 13 rebounds granted the assists are nice when you got guys like ryan terrell and others who can score when you give them the ball but what how do you describe your role on the team i guess my role on the team one would be to be the the old guy in the room the old player who's been there for a <laughs> little that bit was elliot yeah yeah but uh as a player i'm kind of that bet you know, some, some may call it the Andre Guadalla of the team. Uh, the guy who's just going to be in the locker room. He, know, he knows he's been through many different experiences, uh, being up, being down, arguments, uh, kind of just the guy who's going to calm everyone down. But uh, like I was saying before, I'm playing with such great players that although I made 16 assists, I'm, the only, I'm only passing it to them. They're still the ones making the shots. And I love passing it to them. I love hitting Ryan cutting. I love hitting Opet cutting or Aton Halper for a three or Jordan Armstrong with a post-touch or Matan Zucker or Oren Vitesh. We have just so many guys at D Markovic. I don't want to leave anyone out, so I'm going to stop there because there's more people to be said. Um, <laughs> but it's just, I get them the ball in positions. That's what I try to do. I, get them, I try to get them the ball in positions where they're ready to score. Um, they're ready, where they're able to make a shot, where they don't have to think too much about how, creating on their own and if my job this year is to be the guy who's going to be close to having triple doubles by because I have to get rebounds and assists and have to get a basket when we need one I'll be more than happy to do that than to average 20 points if I if I have to average even eight assists 10 assists like that that would be awesome I think that's such a big accomplishment and if I'm average if I'm getting those assist numbers that just means that we're going on offense and we'll be tough to stop. I mean, you've only got 113 assists on the season. I, I think I think you've got that one pretty well in hand so far. <laughs> uh, listen, I really appreciate the time. Speaking of carving out of your day, you've added this to it, and I really appreciate the time you gave. I do want to ask before I leave, what, what's it like to be the number one ranked team on a program that doesn't have that kind of history? But on top of that, as you described, a fan base that is worldwide, that is – I don't know the right term, but definitely diehards. <laughs> yeah. Fanatics. Fanatics. There we go. Perfect. I think, I think some of their Twitter handles have fanatics in their I believe Twitter they name. do. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, no, it is, it is great. Um, I'll be honest, though, with this, and we say this all the time, it's much harder to stay number one than to get to number one. And uh, we say that if we're only – maintaining our number one spot we're not doing better because if we're only trying to keep that number one spot that means we're falling if we try to get better and better and it's hard to 
see what that next step is. I guess you can fight to get the unanimous number one vote and the more number one votes. Um, but when you see the numbers staying the same, it's it's hard to keep going up and focusing because you don't it's there's no measure. Like if you're number 10 and you keep slowly moving down to to a higher number, like five or then two, and then you try to get to one. It's a lot, there's a lot more motivation to have there. And uh, we talk about this all the time that we got to we got to not try to stay number one. We got to be the number one team and we have to show everyone that we're the number one team. And it's not a, oh, you guys haven't played the toughest schedule or that. It's We want to make everyone believe that we're the best team in the country. And there's no reason why we should be an underdog in every game, in any game. But we like being an underdog. We think it's more fun to play. You got some house money to play with. Um, but we love the opportunity that we're in. We're th thankful to everyone that's taken the time to watch us and everyone that supported us and followed us over this past few years and be a part of this journey. And uh, as a team, our goal is only to get better each day at practice and uh, continue to prove the people that don't see us as number one uh, wrong and show them why we should be number one. Obviously, two big games coming up. You can do that very easily. Yeah, that's that's our goal. Gabe, thanks so much for the time. Uh, I really do appreciate it. We have a tradition on the show. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Yeah, just like uh, I guess I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in and everyone who follows Division Three. Um, and like we were talking about this before, like we're not Division One. We don't have that same Twitter fan base, but Division Three is awesome. Um, it's fun to be a part of it. It's fun to know the people that are a part of it. It's fun to continue to grow and show people that. I mean, you even see this with St. Thomas. They're, what are they, like almost 500 in Division One. Uh, it's not a low-level basketball. It's an extremely high level of basketball. And we've got a ton of guys who are committed to games, who are committed to playing in school. And uh, we just appreciate everyone that's been following Division Three, and also more specifically to all the Yeshiva fans. I know we got plenty of people watching this, maybe like Jewboy Media, Max Fanatics. I know some of those names on Twitter. Um, uh, continue to support us. We love the fans. We hope that everyone stays safe so that we can continue to have fans. And uh, hopefully we'll all be talking later in March and we'll be celebrating something great this year. Well said, sir. Congratulations on what you've accomplished so far. Appreciate the time and take care of yourself. Thank you so much. I got to hit the unmute button. Sorry for the pause there. He's Gabe Leifer, number one ranked Yeshiva Maccabees graduate student and guard. Pretty impressive chat with him, and I appreciate the time he gave me earlier today to talk. Of course, that was before Illinois Wesleyan lost to Wash U. Doesn't change the fact that that's a huge game coming up between uh, Yeshiva and Illinois Wesleyan, and then Yeshiva and Williams uh, the next day. Big games. Um, should be great atmospheres. Uh, Bob Quillman is supposedly going to be at that game. I know he was at the Wash U game, and uh, I think our own Ryan Scott will be at that uh at the at least one of those games, maybe both. You know what? We'll find out next. Ryan will join us here on the show to talk about his takes of the first two months of the season and in, especially in men's basketball and plenty more. You're listening to Hoops Hill presented by D3hoops.com from the NABC Studios. Ryan Scott joins us when we come back.
College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoopsville. Uh, if you missed it earlier, of course, I had some hard news to tweet late last night. Uh, the death of Mike uh, Freilich. Uh, we've dedicated the show to him. At the end of the show, we'll take a break, quick break, after we chat with Ryan Scott. We'll come back, talk about uh, Mike and some of the people who have shared some or some stories with us, and we'll salute him at the end of the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville. Use the hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also um, join us on Facebook where we're simulcasting the show. And we have up our question, should we move our Sunday night show to Monday? It's on Twitter. It's now on Facebook as well, at least on our on our video. Um, you can do that at facebook.com slash hoopsville. We're on Instagram at D3Hoopsville, though we don't interact during the show. Um, but feel free to follow us there. You can find out news and, and other things that we send out through there. And don't forget, email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Quick note, uh, we'll also talk at the end of the show quickly about the upcoming d3hoops.com classic back in Vegas uh, after Christmas. All right, so we had Gordon on earlier talking men's or women's basketball and, and Hope, for example. Uh, well, normally we would get the top 25 duo in here of Ryan Scott and Bob Quillman, but Bob was busy traveling to see his alma mater unfortunately lose in a game today. So we're just going to bring in Ryan. We're not going to talk necessarily top 25 as he joins me on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, but we're going to talk a little bit about it. We're not getting a new top 25 poll tomorrow, but Ryan joins me. And, sir, good to see you. Thanks for taking the time. Hope you're well. Yeah, doing well. I feel like Bob should have sprung for the airplane internet and joined us from the flight. I feel like that wouldn't be too hard to do. No, you're right, because uh, the streaming's pretty darn pretty darn good from up there. You, you've got a I would assume. Yeah. You're right. And it I, I've flown a little bit more than I and I have in a long time, so I've gotten to understand the costs of that. He could have swallowed up that cost. He could have done it. Although 
Isn't he on Southwest? Do they even have internet on Southwest? Oh yeah. I'm not even oh sure yeah. What... I I watch okay. stuff on internet. I oh, I watch on. <laughs> it's it's really you got to wa- worry about Frontier, um, JetBlue, Ryanair, and some of those others. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> now I probably just killed some sponsors that we never really had a chance at anyway. Uh, hey, bud. Good I to see. You. Let me start off with Front- oh. Frontier. Seems like right up the NCA's alley, so that would be the <laughs> no fair point. By the way, Frontier used to serve these on board. It's a chocolate chip cookie. At least when I flew on them, and then they spread east and and kind of went no frills. Midwest Airlines, yeah, yeah, good call, sir. Hey, um, you saw Illinois West, uh, uh, Illinois Wesleyan wash you today. What was your take yeah. on that game? It was only a ten point finish, but from everything I read, and I didn't get a chance to watch it as I was doing some other things. Uh, it, it didn't it didn't feel like a ten point game. Um, I mean, I so I missed the last ten minutes. I had to go out. I was only able to watch the first thirty. Um, and I, I guess IWU did, did pretty well towards the end. They were able to cut it down a little bit after I had, had left. But for me, what I saw was just, um, one, it seemed like WashU did a great job of scouting. It seemed like they were doing everything, especially the first 10 or 15 minutes when they, they were building up a lead, um, that, that just seemed like they were going right at the weaknesses of IWU. They have, uh, Davitt, the big kid in the middle. He ended up being eight for eight. He got into some foul trouble late, but you know they were going into him every single time. And, and IW's big guys were not quite big enough to deal with the six ten guy in the middle with with some footwork. And what I saw, Illinois Wesleyan's defense was not up to what we have seen this year. Um, it didn't seem like they not a step slow, but maybe half a step. Right, that okay. they were just not quite as quick and as crisp getting to the spots they wanted to be in. And a team like WashU that executes really well is going to make you pay for that. Um, you know, it's two good teams. I, I don't feel like, um, you know, IWU is is in trouble because of, of the result today. Um, and, you know, we've seen a lot of weird results this last game before you go on Christmas break. Um, there's a lot of forgiveness to be had there. But WashU came out ready. They really were using this as an opportunity to show everybody that slow start um, was indeed not indicative of who they are. And um, I, I think more than anything, it's going to move them right up the rankings. You know, I'm, yeah. I certainly have been waiting for a game like this from them, and I'll probably jump them 10 spots in my poll the next time we get a chance to vote. I'll admit, I kind of wish we were voting tomorrow because I want to vote on that result. Not that result in particular, but I don't want <laughs> I don't want a couple more games to possibly change my opinion on how, how that all turns out. Um, we have to wait now till January 3rd. And maybe a bunch of games, maybe not. We'll see how everything turns out. Um, if I were to put you on the spot, because listen, Yeshiva's had some tough games. We talked to Gabe Lifer about it. Um, you know, there's they've they've had some outcomes. He gave a lot more credit to Washington College than I think many of us would have given. I'm looking forward to now maybe seeing them in the Centennial Conference. I, I think he feels that they're a better team than we realize. That's his opinion. Um, obviously we knew NJCU could be a challenge, but you know, they've still had some ups and down games. And even one of their own, who's a top 25 voter now said, listen, I'm pulling them out of number one. Who, who would be your number one vote if we were voting tomorrow? Uh, I've been voting for Randolph Macon the whole time. I still am at this point. I don't see a whole lot of reason not to do that. Although, I mean, this is where the criteria of, of what you're actually putting in your poll comes into play. And not every voter does it the same way. No. I, I try to, to do an overall, right? Like if, if two teams were playing against each other 100 times, which right. team do I think would win the most games? Yeah, I take and a so, variation of that. 
Right. It's it's the consistency that leads me to vote for a team like Randolph Macon that I think just makes the fewest mistakes. We had the same thing in 1920, right? Swarthmore was number one all the way through. And I don't think there's nearly as many people who thought Swarthmore would have won that championship as we're voting them number one, right? Hmm. Because they were consistent and, and you would expect them to win games over time. Fair. But in any one situation, you know, a team like Oshkosh is super talented. True. And you could see them being one of the most talented teams in the country. And you could certainly argue them or Platteville or a couple of others are number one based on just what they could do in one really good game. And so if you're voting number one as who would be the best if everybody played 100%, you might pick somebody different. But I don't think that's exactly how D3 works. And, and I tend to go with who I think would be the best in, in the most situations. And that's Randolph Bacon for me. You had an interesting take because uh, Yeshiva is my number one. And, and it's, I'm, I'm a little nervous, but you had an interesting take I, that I, tweet, I retweeted earlier. It said, interesting, we're now set up for next week, IW and uh, visiting Yeshiva with neither team having played their best basketball game in the previous game. Both will have a week plus to think about it and something to prove, can't wait. I feel like there's a lot of teams in that boat. And I think that's what makes number one even tougher. Listen, Randolph Macon, I don't think has played its best basketball either. Um, you know, I, I heard from someone the other day said, listen, I've seen Wheaton and Platteville. I think Wheaton's the better team, which I thought was interesting considering how well Platteville seemed to be playing this year. I, I think everybody, and granted, it's rare that we get everybody playing tremendously good basketball at this time of year. We're usually seeing that come February. But I usually feel pretty comfortable about who I think is playing very well. Right now, I think we got a bunch of teams who are playing well. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, well, I mean, th this is what we asked for, right? True. I mean, we, ten, 10 years ago, true. we had none of the top teams would play anybody good until February. That's true. And true. we got upset about that. And now they're playing them early and they're taking losses. And we can't complain about it now. No, no, I'm not We'd complaining about that. We'd rather see these games, no, you know? Um, yeah. It just it just makes it hard. I mean, this is what the D1 guys have to deal with, right? They've got a rotation of number one teams every year because those teams are going to take losses. It's just rare that you'd go through undefeated oh, and true. you have to figure out who's playing the best at any given moment and yeah. make your best guess. Well, and I, I, mean, said, I said that earlier this season. I, I, I was not voting this season with any thought that anybody's going undefeated. I'm not on the women's poll. Listen. If I'm voting for hope, I'm thinking they're going undefeated this season. I, that's just my mentality. But on the men's side, that is never my mentality. And I have left number one teams after a loss as number one teams because I expected them to lose. It, I, I'm not going to, quote unquote, change my mind on that, as it were. Um, but that said, and, and your point, you know, we've got an interesting week ahead of us. We don't have a lot of games. COVID's played a little bit sour with things. But potentially on back-to-back -back nights, Yeshiva is going to take on the Titans of Illinois Wesleyan followed by the Eves of, of Williams. It's, it's going to be a, a little bit of NCAA atmosphere at the end of December. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not back-to-back. -back. Did they move that game? I thought Williams was the second. Oh, I think maybe I got it wrong. I thought it was I think it's like two or three days in between. Oh, I thought they were back to back. Maybe I'm dead wrong. I apologize if I. Yeah, I had but they are much. they are pretty quick turnaround, and those are going to be the two best games that nope. they've played. You're right. I was looking at somebody else's schedule. You're right. I mean, it's going to be the two best games they've played ever, or I mean, at least in living memory. Yeah, and, I mean, they missed um, out on Hopkins. Unfortunately, that wasn't their fault, and we missed out on the Randolph Macon game. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. This might be the the toughest teams they've played at this level. I, I don't know about their yeah. previous schedules. They may have played some pretty good teams when they weren't on our right. radars, but. 
And, and I mean, they played St. Joe's twice last year during the COVID year and, and those were challenges and they were physical games. And games honestly, that's what gives me even more confidence to say that these will be close. Right. I mean, if they hadn't had that experience against a talented big team, it'd be hard to, to pick them against Illinois Wesleyan. Um, but I, I think they've had that experience. They've stepped up to it, but we're going to know who Yeshiva is after these two games. Cause I, Williams is really good. And obviously Illinois Wesleyan is really good too. I, uh, Totally forgot about those games against St. Joseph. That's a very good point. Those were really good litmus tests in an odd year. Yeah. On, on top of well, all of that. Any, and anything speaking else? of St. Joe's. Go ahead. I mean, speaking of St. Joe's, they got Marietta coming up. You're going you're gonna to get to see that one. Uh, um, I have got that one circled for a while now, sir. That one I am looking forward to. The only disadvantage is I'm not sure Jim Calhoun will be there. Yeah. Well, he was at the UConn game yesterday. I, I saw him sitting there while, while I was at the gym. So he's at least traveling. Uh, I'll maybe, give him some credit. He'll, I thought he'd be he'll in make Florida. The, he'll make the deal. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's what I'm looking forward to because we don't really know who St. Joe's is quite yet either. Right? They true. had yeah. a couple of good games in the tournament and they've played some decent teams, but they haven't played a, a power like Marietta that we know who they are and what they're capable of. We can We can really use that as a measuring stick for for what St. Joe's has going on too, which is exciting because I've got them in my top 10 and I think they're really good, but this will really let us know. I think the, one, the the thing I'm looking forward to is seeing teams like, and I just, I mean, tonight I mentioned them already, Hamden, Sydney. Listen, maybe we got some teams that are going to kind of come out of this COVID blur and, and have kind of um, rekindled things. I mean, Caleb Kimbrough seems to have things going well there. I mean, Roanoke seems to be pretty good. The, the ODAC race looks like it might be better than we expected it to be. Um, Hampton Sydney looked great today. I watched that whole game and, and, uh, and they that's were not down their first big. game doing that. Yeah. They went on a, a big run. They didn't, they didn't quite make it, but I mean, they, they looked really good. Um, I, I'm really, and by the way, one of their former assistants is now an assistant at Navy women's basketball, believe it or not. Um, I, I, I think that's where I'm kind of leading towards the next thing, what I'm looking forward to coming up. And obviously there's the D3hoops.com classic and some great games that we should have there. We got Chicago and some good good teams showing up and, and getting ready to play there. But we're going to get into conference play, and I think we're going to have a bunch of races. They're going to kind of, for a, for a bit, kind of have us forget about who who's the top 10 because we're going to be so focused on some really good races in the conferences. Well, I mean, we may we may not have the same top 10. I, I think there's a lot of these teams are going to take conference losses we don't expect. Um, whether it's, you know, guys missing games because of COVID or or some of those issues, or just, you know, there's a lot of strong teams in the power conferences this year. Um, it's going to be hard for anybody to go through unscathed. Yeah, no, I think... Oh, I mean, you. We already we already know the CCIW race will be pretty good. We already know the YX going to be pretty good. The ODAC looks like it's going to be solid. I don't know what to make of the NESCAC because I haven't seen enough to know what to make of the NESCAC. I'm not even voting for a NESCAC team yet. <laughs> Williams has been the closest. Um, but I think there's other conference races out there that are going to that are going to be interesting. But you you had the caveat there. How many games are going to get played in January? Like. Are we going to take a bunch of cancellations and postponements and do what the OAC did and say that John Carroll took a loss, even though it's a no contest, and, and we're going to have teams that are going to have played 18 games? It, I, I'm almost a little worried about it. I don't I don't know what to make. I don't want to make more of it, but it's going to certainly affect conference races. Yeah, I mean, 
we're at the good spot that at least we have conference tournaments. And as sure. long as those go off, you know, somebody may get seated sixth who should be second because they lost a couple COVID games, but at least they'll have the chance to play in. Um, you know, and I don't think we feel too bad about teams that get underseated in something like that. Cause you gotta, you gotta win those games anyway. Oh, Randolph Mankin um, did that last year. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, it, we don't know, right? I mean, it's not like we're going to be able to control it. If we, no. if we somehow can foresee what's going to happen, then we can do anything about it. Um, so we just kind of have to take it as it comes. What else is jumping out at you about the season so far on the men's side? Um, I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's just the unknowns, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think Illinois Wesleyan looked today the same kind of unquestionable power that they have been through most of the season. Right. And maybe it's unfair to expect them to look fantastic in every game, even losing uh, the, the, the Wheaton game that they looked pretty good. Yeah, they looked right. Good that wasn't game. like a that wasn't like they played poorly. And I just didn't think they played up to par today. And the fact that we are probably going to see that from everybody, you know, I, I you know, Randolph Megan's lost once already. I didn't expect that would have happened at this point. Um, we're not used to everybody <laughs> having having some of those off nights and i think we're really going to have to get used to that this year that we've got a whole bunch of really good teams and i think what that's going to mean is we might have another nebraska wesleyan situation where somebody's 30th coming into the tournament and they hit a good run and and they can really make some some waves you know and i think that's just better for us it's harder for us who you know when on the one hand when you ask us to predict things right because we're not going to look so smart when the teams that we pick are losing three or four or five games. But at the same time, it's better for us as fans who want good narratives. We want good competition. We want to see good basketball that are, that, you know, it's, it's not really that fun for one team to just dominate and run through the whole thing. And we're not going to get that this year. And that's great. No, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, and listen, we talked, I mean, the, what the catchphrase, catchword, whatever you want to call it, um, pre COVID was parody and, and how much it had infiltrated men's basketball and how deep everything was. And we celebrated that. We love that fact. I, I'm more than happy to get back into that conversation. I'm, I'm not expecting us. There are more than 25 teams who deserve to be ranked. That's part of the parody. There are, there are conference races that are going to be deep where the fourth ranked team is good enough to win it. Maybe even the seventh ranked team, if you're in the NESCAC is good enough to win it. Um, and that's good thing. That's a good thing for basketball. It's a good thing for division three because we get to see all this talent, but I'm curious from your take, cause you got to do a great story recently about how um, some of these students had come back and what they're doing to, to balance work life. You know, Gabe Leifer, we just talked to him about how he's balancing work life to still be able to play. You talk to some of those guys I, on a twist of that. How much is it? I'm, I'm noticing how much the transfer game is kind of shook things up a little bit as well. Yeah. I, I mean, it's obviously helping some teams, you know, right? Like like Case Western getting somebody like Griffin Corniker in there yeah. who can run the show as a point guard changes the dynamics of that team. Absolutely. Um, you know, and it's going to make them a lot tougher to plan against. It's going to make them, I, I think they're going to win more games than we would have expected coming in. But at the same time, I think it's good from a D3 level in the sense that that these players are not as worried about playing basketball. Right. Like if you can graduate in three years and you have an opportunity to go good graduate work, it's now easier to transfer. It's more accepted to transfer. There's precedent behind it. I think it's just going to help the, the, the mentality and the mission of D3 to know that, oh, yeah, if I get into X school as a grad student, I have a year left. It, there's a pathway for me to join that team and play again. 
And you're going to see a lot more choices, which probably makes it harder for coaches. But at the same time, you know, our D3 coaches, they want these kids to, to fulfill their dreams and to be set for life. And I, it's only good for the student athletes. And I, and I think everyone will fall on board with that. Well, heck, I mean, we've even heard coaches say they, they don't want their students to stay with them. They want them if they're going to do a graduate year to go somewhere else. I heard that in soccer. Best player in the country plays at Amherst and his coaches flat out said, I don't want him back here for a graduate year. doesn't mean I, I'm going to be able to stop him. If he chooses to do so, he chooses to do so. But I'm not encouraging him to come back here. That's not who we are as a program. If he wants to do his graduate year somewhere else, go for it. I mean, there are coaches who are serious about that. They want, as you said, the best for their student athletes. And, and that says a lot. Hey, um, if, if, if you could, would you spend the extra time and see both Yeshiva's games up there? Would would you would you spend a few extra days? If I could? Yeah. Would 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 you stay for Williams? I'm saying a hint hint. Maybe you should stay for Williams. I'm just saying. It's only two hours away for me. I may oh, be able to go up again. I forgot. It's a little closer for you. <laughs> Maybe you should just go back. Yeah. I mean, I haven't thought about that yet, but uh it's certainly a possibility. Um have to see how the first one goes and how the family feels about that. And <laughs> whether the mortgage I take out to pay the toll on the George Washington Bridge will will come into play. But yeah, that toll yeah. sucks, man. Absolutely. What is it, like $18 these days? It's else. ridiculous. Yeah, they'll um, get you nowhere. No, they'll get you going into that city some way or yeah. the other. Well, it's the it's the cost to leave New Jersey, is really what it is. So that's the, <laughs> True. <laughs> I used to live there. It's the it's the deal is you don't have to pay to go into New Jersey, but you do have to pay to leave on every single bridge. So you're, uh, you're absolutely right. I never <laughs> thought of that. It is absolutely Delaware Memorial. Oh my yeah, god! It's it's all of them. It is all of them. Yeah, crap. It's because New Jersey didn't pony up any money to build any of them, so they don't get any of it back. But <laughs> right, that's um, only, yeah. It's all the other states taking advantage of everyone trying yes, to get out of yes. New Jersey. <laughs> wow, we jumped off the deep end there. Hey, um, I appreciate your time. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. I know you got to know Mike Freilich a little bit. Um, yeah. And I know the, the news that we got late last night. Granted, you may not have gotten it until yesterday. I may have been the only late bird last night um, who was up, and I got the phone call on it. Um, I, I just give you a chance. Any thoughts you want to share about Mike? Uh, yeah, I mean, I apparently we met at one of the final fours that I didn't remember. But when the, <laughs> when the D3 I think guy... I met him, too, and I... Right yeah. over my head. When the D3 guy, you know, showed up on Twitter, um, I didn't give it a lot of credence. And then he started dropping clues as to who he might be. And so you became Mr. You know, Sleuth. You know, I love a challenge. Yes. So I went back through the the episodes of the podcast and figured out where all the clues were. And I did a couple hours of one afternoon of some research and figured it out. And I sent him a message. And I was like, this is who you are. And he was like, how the heck did you know that? And I walked him through all the steps and you laid down the clues, man. And he had promised that when he finally officially announced who he was, that he'd let me on the show to do that. And so we'll, we'll miss that. But obviously, you know, that pales in comparison to what his, his wife and his family. And um, I was just thinking, you know, to multiple schools, but the success they're having at Oneonta this year is because of the recruiting work that, that Mike did to bring a lot of those guys in there. Um, and, uh, you know, Hartwick is, he, he didn't spend a ton of time there yet, but obviously he's, he's in a big part of what they're doing there this year. And, um, it, it's hard when somebody's gone, especially someone who's young and 
exciting and, and um, somebody who really cared, yeah. right? Like that was what you saw is that um, he, he cared so much about the players he was with and the, the basketball teams and the, the philosophy of D3, right? He wanted all these guys to succeed in life. And um, as I, you know, I didn't think about him as a basketball coach. You know, we didn't talk X's and O's when we communicated. We talked about how life was going, how the players were doing, where they needed to develop. You know, that that was a lot more of the conversations I had with him. And I won't pretend to know him as well as a lot of the other coaches you got emails with, but I appreciated the the conversations we had. And, and it's very sad. Well, I appreciate your thoughts. And yeah, uh, I, I remember you diving in, trying to figure it out. And every once in a while, you'd come on and go, hey, uh, could, could it be this one? I'm like, wow, you're digging in deep. You're going for it. I mean, I applauded you to the point that I, I decided I'm not going to try. I was pulling up post-game interviews with coaches to compare the voice sounds to see how they would do. And it didn't take me that. It was a couple hours. But Quick note. I, I heard from one coach who said um, that he was texting with him once early on when that D3 guy started. And Mike was texting with him saying, hey, who is this guy? I don't know. Who is this guy? And they're going back and forth. And finally, like a couple months later, he goes, it's me. And he's like, what? Like, had, oh, it was Cameron. I'm sorry. It was his head coach at Oyanta. Yeah. That's who it was. And he's like, I didn't even know he was doing it until he finally told me. So, yeah. Um, fun the good stories. Unfortunately, a tough one to lose. We'll talk more about him after the break. Ryan, appreciate the time as always, sir. I'll give you the last word. Any final thoughts before uh, we send you on your way to the new year? Um, no. I mean, other than. We, we've had a sad loss. I don't think there's anything else to talk about my, my uh, thoughts and, and cares and prayers go out to, to Megan and his family. And, um, you know, we're coming into a time when we're all gathering together with family. And I know for a lot of us, that can be difficult, right? Families are not always the easiest <laughs> group of people to be around, um, but they are around and we should be remembering that uh, this time of year. Very good. Well said, sir. Thank you very much for your time. Hey, have a Merry Christmas. Have a, a good New Year if I don't get a chance to talk to you sooner than that. And I'll look forward to talking to you in January. Yeah, sounds great. Awesome. Merry Christmas. You, thank you. Take care. Ryan Scott joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, great chatting with him, as always. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll salute Mike Freilich with the words of others. You're listening to Hoopsville. Back with more after this. basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was 
huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's eight. Sorry about that, folks. Not sure why the ad started over again, but we're back. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Wrapping things up here. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. If we can't answer them on the show, we'll try and answer them off air. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where many people are in there. Travis John mentioned Liberty League and Empire Ada looking like some good potential conference raises. Naz. Nazareth, St. John Fisher, and Alfred with great starts in the E8, along with RPI's uh, St. Lawrence, and surprisingly, Vassar off the good starts, too. You're right, J Travis. Totally agree with you. I think they could be fun races to watch. Uh, I'm a little bit more intrigued by the Liberty League, I think, than the Empire 8 right now. Um, I, I think I think RPI is is the strength right now. In the, I'm not sure how much Vassar holds on. But, no, absolutely agree with you. The races could be fun. The only disadvantage for Liberty League and Empire 8 is that um, those good races could end up cannibalizing any chance of an extra uh, team making the tourney. Um, that's just unfortunately the way it's been of late. It's not the way it maybe should be, but it is the way it has been, and so forth, so on and so forth. So, um, but no, good call on that. Certainly don't disagree with you whatsoever about that. All right. So tonight, well, uh, as I mentioned, we're saluting um, Mike Freilich again. Got the tweet late last night or got the email late last night, and then they got the call from Suni Oneonta's head coach about Mike's passing on Friday. Just for the record, we don't know the cause as of now. I have not seen a cause. I've not been told of a cause. I am just told that it was unexpected and that he was found on Friday. Um, so everyone's waiting word. I am told that, um, you know what, let me find the email. I believe he's being buried on Monday. Here it is. Uh, I believe he's being passed, uh, buried on Monday. Yes, he is um, at Beth David in West Hartford, Connecticut. Um, and rumor has it, and I don't know the Jewish customs all that much, even though I, <laughs> we had yeshiva on. I guess I could have asked a little bit more about that. But um, I have many friends, uh, who, dear friends who are, are Jewish. I still don't know all the customs. Um, but I believe you are not necessarily uh, buried in a suit, per se, but apparently his the suit he was last wearing or his last uh, game that he wore will somehow go with him. I don't know all the particulars, but it, we have been asked if we get more information on um, places that people can give in his name and, and whatnot, what to pass it along. Trust me, we will be sure to do that. Uh, I meant to check Hartwick's website. I don't last I checked Hartwick, had not posted anything officially about it. Um, so I'm not sure if uh, there is anything official from... Oh, nope, they have put something on their website. I just missed it earlier today. 
Um, they do mention that he has passed. Um, I did talk to Nick, uh, their head coach at Artwick late last night via text to share my um, my thoughts with him. He has a uh, a quote in here. Um, yeah, they just mentioned that Beth David Synagogue in West Hartford will be where he's buried Monday at 11 a.m. I don't see anything else. If if there is more information on him and whatnot, we'll certainly pass it along. We reached out and said, hey, listen, um, share us stories or pictures or whatever with the show. We would love to put them on. Um, we got a couple emails. What I will do is we put an archive show together or an archive page of our shows. They usually are posted. Um, we kind of turn around and make them available once we get the next show ready for air. Since we won't have another show ready for air until January 2nd or 3rd at the earliest, we will um, turn that archive around probably in the next 24 hours, maybe 36. Uh, We will put as many of the tweets that we've received regarding his life uh, and thoughts of everybody, we'll put those into that show page, we hope. It's a little challenging, but I think I can figure it out. So we'll put those in there. But these are the emails I got. Uh, Mike, one comes from our friend Mike Raniak, former head coach, as you might remember, at SUNY New Paltz. And he's the one who's in charge of the YD3 um, TBT team. He says, uh, here he's, this is what he had to say. I've known Mike since he was a young assistant at LaGrange. His drive for coaching and D3 basketball community was Im- immediately apparent. There are many times throughout my travels I would receive a text or a call to talk hoops. Uh, he was well on his way to being a great head coach at our level. I'll miss his enthusiasm and support. We will find a way to honor him this upcoming summer in TBT. Our thoughts are our prayers with his family, wife, family, basketball communities at Hartwick, Oneonta, LaGrange, Coach Raniac. Of course, remember, he was also a Eastern Connecticut uh, graduate, we should point out. The next one came with some images, and we want to share with those those images. So bear with me here as, as we set this up. And we'll just loop these. Here are the images we received from Jalen McCallum. Jalen writes, my name is Jalen McCallum. I'm writing to you about the unfortunate passing of my big brother, Michael Freilich. He was the greatest coach, friend, and brother anyone could ask for. I had the honor of playing under him and receiving the most tutelage out of any of his players. Be that because we lived together three time, three different times at that. That's pretty impressive, Jalen. Uh, I've known Michael since I was 17. He's looked over me since the day we met. Often referring to me as his son because of our bond because our bond went that deep. In, bas- in a basketball sense, he believed in me from day one when I didn't even believe in myself. He believed in my personal dream. He saw the potential in me. He did absolutely everything in his ability to make that dream a reality. But completely outside of basketball, Michael taught me how to be a young man. With unyielding patience, he taught me how to be accountable and responsible. He taught me how to work hard and to value hard work that you do. He taught me how to enjoy life and how to never be too serious. He was a role model through and through. His guidance and advice was always blunt and from a place of love. He told you what you needed to hear, not what you wanted to hear. He was the life of the party, the energy in the room. He was the person you couldn't help but to smile around. He was like a big kid the day we met and stayed that way, which made me, which made him all that more lovable and relatable. So with that being said, I'd like to thank him for all the lessons he's taught me, all the laughter and the loving guidance. He took me under his wing. He helped me reach my full potential. 
We didn't. Ha- he didn't have to, but he cared from the bottom of his heart with everything he had. And for that, I'm internally grateful to him. Great words there from Jalen McCallum, and I really appreciate him reaching out to us as we continue to see pictures that he shared with us of their relationship. Um, pretty impressive, to say the least. Um, you hear nothing but good words about Mike Freilich. I, I, uh, Freilich, I have been... Um, I, my phone, I, so here's the deal. I, I tweeted the news last night, semi-reluctantly. Um, I wasn't, I, I didn't feel like that was I, the, the kind of news I wanted to quote-unquote report, but it was also the kind of news that it felt like needed to be said. And so the other thing that I wasn't sure about was how many people knew he was that D3 guy. I had only kind of put it together over the summer, I, I really, and I wasn't even 100% sure, but a few people had kind of dropped the word in my ear that that's who he was. And so we made sure to, uh, I wasn't even sure if I should report that or not, but I checked with a few people and they said, go ahead and, and mention it. it. It wouldn't hurt. And so we mentioned it. He did put his heart and soul into D3, and we certainly appreciate that of him. And we uh, thank him for the time that he provided D3 and uh, the fact that he got his wife involved in it, too, is outstanding. I was told that they showed up to an Oyanta game recently, I think about a week ago, and she was wearing Oyanta gear. Um, hats off to him, and we're going to miss him in Division Three, to say the least. Um, didn't think I'd get emotional, but certainly have, and for good reason. You will be missed in Division Three, and there you see the family, as it were, Jalen and uh, Megan and uh, Michael. So there you go, folks. That is our show for the first semester of, of uh, the season. We will be back on the air. We're taking the poll. A couple more days left on Twitter on whether we move the show from Sunday to Monday. I uh, certainly would love to have known Mike's pers- perspective on that. Um, we had it up on Facebook. I can tell you now, um, I know what the results are leaning, and uh, we'll see how that gets us there. Um but we will uh, we'll wait and do our due diligence and, and see how it all turns out and then make that announcement close to the new year. We do have the D3Hoops.com Classic coming up um, in Las Vegas. Uh, we have about 18 teams scheduled to be out there. Look forward for more information coming this week on that. Looking forward to being out there should COVID allow. And, um, yeah, you all have a great holidays, please. Whether it's a Merry Christmas, uh, if you should celebrate, certainly have a Happy New Year. We're back at it with basketball when we come on the other side. COVID's going to probably shake things up in January. we got to roll with the punches and just hope we're able to play basketball into February and into March this season. That's the ultimate goal. I want everybody to stay safe. Please do what you can to stay safe, whether that's for your team, for yourself, for your family, whatever the case may be, please stay safe. And um, we'll again go out with a salute to Mike Freilich. I want to thank our coaches who appeared tonight, or our only coach actually, was UT Dallas's. Um, Polly Thomason, thanks for her coming on and Bruce Unruh, her SID for helping us. I want to thank AJ at Yeshiva for helping us get Gabe Leifer and we'll thank Elliot for his help with that as well. And thanks to Ryan and, and, uh, and, uh, Gordon for coming on the show as well. Again, we'll be back on the air after the holidays, June, January 2nd or 3rd, we will announce it, whether we're moving to the Monday show and we'll give you guys a heads up reminder. We will once again, share some of the other stories that we got about Mike, 
uh, on the show page, which we'll have officially up in about 24 or so hours, um, and look forward to having that um, for you to, to read and enjoy yourselves. Again, we hope you uh, enjoyed the show. We want to thank Mike Freilich for what he gave for Division Three, and we leave you uh, on that. Uh, celebrating, whoops, sorry. Celebrating the life that was Mike Freilich, who died, unfortunately, at the age of 30. He was D3 through and through. And for that, we thank him and wish all of you a happy holidays. Give everybody else an extra hug.